If I want to do this, I want to do it the best I can. And if I don't want to do it, then then get out of the game and go do something else. Absolutely. And if you're going to do something else, keep taking the steps to learn how to be the best at it. And I, I definitely owe that to my dad to where he was like, dude, if, if you're not going to be the best at what you're trying to do each and every day, don't do it. All right, all right, all right. How's everyone doing? I want to thank you so much for tuning in to Back to Your Story, podcast about real people and real stories. Today, we have on the legendary Mike Metzger, the godfather of freestyle motocross himself. It was such an honor to have him on. Growing up, he was uh, one of the dudes that I looked up to, seeing him fly over Caesar's Palace Fountains, doing a 125-foot backflip, just boggled my fucking mind. And on top of that, him doing the first backflip on a, on a dirt bike uh, in the X Games, it's just... For me, for me, uh, looking back at my younger self, uh, to say that one day he would be, you know, on my podcast, I would have never believed it. And the dude is so, uh, he's just so honest and real, um, and just an all around good human being. I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this without further ado. Here's the story of Mike Metzger. From the land of mystery where dreams become reality always listening to stories from the past the present and the future this is back to your story dude you know how many people I've seen lick this microphone? Yeah. No, I'm just going to ask that. Don't eat it because somebody else did yesterday. Just in case Straight facts. There we go. Did you do a show yesterday? Uh, I was supposed to, but the, the girl, um, she had to reschedule. Okay. It's all good. Sometimes that happens. Yeah, yeah. It definitely happens. And that's okay, man. I'm, uh, I'm very used to... Whatever, you know, if, if someone has to with the flow, right? Exactly. I, at the end of all of it, man, I just really appreciate anyone coming on, right? I appreciate That's them good. giving their time to share their story. And just, uh, you know, uh, for this, it's been one of the most insane experiences of my life, getting to talk to this person and that person sitting in front of you today. It's just, uh, I, I have to say, I remember being a kid, uh, growing up, watching and doing everything that you you did. And, and uh, it's just a real honor to have you here and you're one amazing dude so humble so well, kind appreciate it rock thanks for reaching out and getting me on your show oh absolutely man absolutely so um you know mike i guess for the people just tuning in uh why don't you introduce yourself and just share a little bit you know kind of what you do right on uh, my name's mike metzger i'm a professional motocross athlete also an artist uh, i do everything from uh paint which i really enjoy but when i'm busy like Right now, riding dirt bikes yeah. as much as possible. I kind of put that on the back burner, but uh, my tattoo schedule is uh, pretty much more busier than I've ever been. Damn. So every day, I usually have a tattoo appointment at least Monday through Friday. 
uh, set my appointments up at 1030 Ooh. and uh, go to town. Doesn't matter if it's a small tattoo or a big tattoo. I usually don't know what the tattoo is going <laughs> to be because I don't like any type of stress leading up to the day yes. where I'm going to tattoo. Yeah. Uh, that's why I set my appointments up early. I get my clients in, sit them down. We talk about what we're going to do. If it's freehand work, I give myself an hour or two to freehand with Sharpies on their skin. If it's design work where I need to do it on my iPad through my Procreate, then uh, I give myself an hour or two, and hopefully that. I'm doing work by noon. Yeah. Um, going back to being a motocrosser, I grew up uh, riding bikes pretty much from the time I was born on my dad's lap to racing motocross at uh, shoot six years old but started riding by myself around three nice um got the uh amateur national championships as a kid uh riding mini bikes and then moved into supercross and motocross um had some really good finishes as an ama contender and then uh she just uh, the cards played out to where freestyle motocross came about, and I ended up being the godfather of freestyle <laughs> motocross, where I won uh, several gold medals for freestyle, and then uh, ended up getting the world record for the biggest backflip over <laughs> Caesar's Fountains, which uh, was something I didn't grow up, you know, ever even thinking I would do stunt work like that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the the good people over at ESPN hit me up one day and asked me if I was interested in jumping Caesars Fountains for a record, and I was like, yeah, sign me up. Oh, my gosh. And, um, yeah, I've gotten to do all kinds of cool stuff. Um, Winter X Games was really cool to be able to be a part of winter sports yeah. where, where we uh, studded up our tires and went and jumped like 115 foot double. No way. That's and amazing. That's was, amazing. Yeah, that's one of the biggest memories that pops out of people ask me, you know, what certain things that you remember that you really enjoyed. And I think the uh, riding it in wintertime on a motorcycle and not really feeling like you're supposed to be there, yeah. but making it work. Of course. And then showing up to Aspen, Colorado and actually like, serving up 115 foot backflip knack knack for the first time ever without even doing it on dirt that's a pretty cool memory jesus man how does that even happen like what goes through your brain uh you know let, let's talk real quick i want to break both of these down and then i want to talk you know about your story and then we'll build up but um we're going to start with you know the caesar's palace one like what goes through your brain before you do something like that because i mean you could you obviously die very easily right um uh, it's it's just fucking nuts. I mean, Evil Knievel did you know something smaller, right? Uh, and and you know destroyed his body. Yeah, well, Evil actually, yeah, went for the the fountains going the opposite oh, direction. Okay. Um, and back then there was like a parking structure, big concrete beams, and he ended up coming up short, flipping yeah. over the bike, and basically hitting the concrete beams and breaking uh, himself apart. Yeah. So, but for me, I think uh, I try not to give myself any um, doubt. Yeah. So leading up to doing the event, of course, I was practicing in my backyard, doing 100-foot backflips, and then um, – just knowing that we're like a week out, we got to go practice the same exact ramp in LA to where they had the setup pretty much the same. Oh shit! Okay. And I ended up doing a hundred and eighteen foot flip, and then uh, once I I knew it, you know, I was safe, and I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm I'm ready. 
to make this happen in a week. Yeah. Um, they took the ramp that I used, went to Vegas, set it up, and I didn't ride for a week. The very last jump I did was a 118-foot backflip, ramp to ramp. I went home and just hung out all week and did what I did. Uh, had kids at the time, too, so just went home and did my dad stuff. Yeah. And then showed up a week later in Vegas at Caesars and just was ready to serve it. You know, I yeah. think the just the wanting to make it happen and getting getting it over with, yeah. like nothing could change my mind what was going to happen. And, yeah. and I was ready. So yeah. I served up a 125-foot flip, and that's <laughs> the biggest uh, ramp-to-ramp flip still in the Guinness Book of World Records. And that's well over a decade ago. Yeah, I, I want to say it was 2007. Yeah, 2007. I was riding Fucking for Monster Energy that year. 13 years. And they uh, definitely didn't expect anything like that. <laughs> And they used it as a, a marketing piece to introduce monster energy drinks to the yeah, world. Yeah. Because that was one of the first events that was um, recorded live around the world. Dude, it's so crazy to see the this like paradigm shift of like the old school, new school. Cause like you're you're like 10, 15 years older than me, right? And it's your generation that really like shifted from this old school mentality uh to now. We were talking earlier about, you know, these amazing skate parks and you know, things that are being built because of the 40 to 50 year olds growing up doing this stuff. You know, before you guys, I mean, you know, Dogtown and Z Boys had to, you know, create their own skateboards and shit like that. Right. Sure. And now you guys, uh, you know, monster energy, right. Everyone knows monster energy now. Uh, but it was because of your time, you, you know, helping put that shit on the map and, you know, seeing someone fly through the air at 125 feet, uh, you know, doing a backflip over Caesar's palace. It doesn't matter if you watched it then or now it's fucking insane. And so amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, to show what the, you know, humans can do. I mean, you're literally, yeah. I don't know. I find it so incredible. And, um, it, it just, uh, it, it's, it gives, I don't know, at least for me, it like gives a sense of hope that anything that you put your mind to, uh, is, is that you, you can do right. For sure, for and sure. so, and, and you, you are a living Testament to that. And so I, I, I appreciate that because I was a kid watching that and it just, it, I mean, this is what we talked about for so long at school. Just, did you see it? Did you see that? And it was just, you know, now you being here, it's uh, it, it, once again, it's a real honor. Um, when you landed, what went through your mind? I think probably the first thing, <laughs> the first thing was like, uh, are you guys ready to party? <laughs> We're in Vegas. Yes. You know, I think that's, that's the epitome of Vegas. Yeah. You're there to party. You're there to have a good time and leading up to it um, or leading up to any event. You know, I don't party. I don't drink. Yeah. Um, but when the, when the event's over, the race is over, especially when you win, you yeah. know, you should um, give yourself the best present you can, and that's hang out with your friends and family and, and enjoy the times and yeah. get it done and then uh, move on to the next event or the next, next goal that you have. Yes, yes, absolutely. I love that. One thing that you left out earlier, um, at least, you know, for me, is you were the very first person to do a backflip in the X Games. That's true. You know, and that, I mean... Uh, what was in the industry, you know, what was like the thought, like, were, were there people doing backflips before? I mean, because like you doing that and you didn't do just one, you did two. Okay. Um, for the reminder. yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, um, what, what was that? I mean, had you already been practicing them? 
Um, well, I think a couple different things led up to me being confident in being the guy who wanted to make sure that I just could do the flip. Yeah. Um, a good friend of mine that I grew up riding and racing with, Kerry Hart. Yeah. Um, he went for the first backflip around 2000 at the Gravity Games. He went for it off of a pretty gnarly jump, ended up over-rotating and uh, coming off his bike, breaking his foot. And then um, from that time to 2002, when I landed the first flip, I think there was a couple dudes who went out there and actually were trying to do flips in their backyard, a guy named Caleb Wyatt. He did probably the first one in his backyard off of a mulch pile. Okay. And then um, I think for me, around that same time, I was you know just super inspired by knowing that it could be done. Yes. I think the first time I knew a dirt bike backflip could be done was from the movie rad okay yes yes of course of course of course i grew up watching the movie yes yes uh, another movie that really stood out in my mind and uh made me just want (laughs) to be the motocross guy that that uh, knew that motocross was a party yes was winners take all yeah you know i still watch that every once in a while just to remind myself as far as like this is life it should be fun. It is. And not only to, to be serious at times, to go out there and be the best you can, but also to be serious about the party. Yeah. To hang out afterwards with your friends and and uh, just to enjoy those times of, of hard work and effort and, and why we're actually doing it. Dude. You know, to be the best, but also to share those moments with your friends. Dude, that's what it's all about, man. Life is, it's, 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 it's a blink of an eye, you know? You're here and you're gone. And so it's so important to be able to push yourself as hard as you can go and be able to accomplish these goals, accomplish these goals. But at the same time, you know, family and unite with your friends and family, you know, and create these memories, you know, Uh, because I don't know what happens afterwards. No one does. Right. But if you can live your life and set a, you know, just become a, a model for people to look at or your kids to aspire, you know, to be, or, you know, kids around the world. I mean, it's just, it's, a real testament to who you are. I mean, hearing these things, right? Um, I, I knew about it just kind of from, you know, reading things. And I, I don't know, just you, you always had this sense of just, uh, I don't know, family and friends. And, you know, it's, it's yes, it's this, but it's it's all about us coming together. For sure. Um, you kind of going back to the backflip though, right? So you do one, but then you do a second one. Uh, I definitely showed up to X Games that year. Um not planning to do the biggest flip at the time. I was doing uh, about 45 to 50 foot backflips ramped to dirt yeah. for second gear. And then I showed up in Philadelphia and the section where they had the flip ramp, let's say, or the flip gap led into a big 80 foot perfect BMX style jump. Nice. Dirt to dirt. 80 feet. And I just told my manager at the time and friends, I was like, if I don't flip that before this weekend's over, um, I'm going to be missing out. And I think I probably just in my head the whole time I was there, I just I just couldn't quit thinking about like, man, I cannot wait to get this flip out of the way. But how cool will it be when I flip that other jump? And it just all came together, you know. And uh Yeah. Just amazing times. I, I look at the video uh, every once in a while. You know, people send me a, a post that I'm attached to, and I look at it and I'm I 
kind of blows my mind where I'm like, that's me. That is you. Crazy that I got to live that moment and yeah. share it with my uh, wife and my daughter where my son wasn't born yet, Myrie. And uh, it's just really crazy to, to look back at that footage and, and my friends that were there that I get to ride with and kind of move the whole sport of freestyle motocross in a direction that really changed the whole way of what people were thinking and where it was going to yeah. go. You know, a lot of a lot of riders knew right there their careers were done. That yeah. they, if you didn't do the backflip, uh, you weren't going to get invited to any more freestyle events. Yeah. And so a lot of guys ended up quitting and just dropping off the map. Uh, a lot of guys ended up trying to continue to push themselves and do flips. But, you know, a lot of guys I know have passed on. Yeah. Um, because it's it's an early sport, and you got to take into consideration what you're doing anytime you're on a motorcycle, and that those consequences are real. Absolutely, so. it's it's so real. I mean, you guys, like especially like you, you make it look so easy, right? It's like so effortless, but it's not. I mean, how much <laughs> training, how much practice, how much work? How old were you when you did those backflips? Oh, shoot, man! So I started doing flips around. 2002 okay but you know leading up to that carrie was you know doing his scheduled practicing leading up to 2000 gravity games where he was doing flips on a bmx bike uh working with the guys from um what's it called the camp camp woodward yes yes so they were helping him out and like building a, a setup to where it was like um kind of a resi mat where he could try it on his motorcycle and he ended up getting hurt a few times. Oh. And, uh, I think almost every time Carrie did a backflip, he hurt something in his body. And, and, uh, it was just uh, awesome for me to be a part of him yeah. pushing everyone and pushing yeah, me to did. do what I did. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's but how, just the whole sport. How old were you when 2006 or seven? I don't know. I'm 45. Okay, right so now. yeah, let's just say 20, I just 14. Just 45. You're 30. 19th. Let's just say 30. 28, yeah, yeah. 30. Um, damn. Which is Th kind of crazy to think. I was 30 years old and still pushing the sport. Yes. Pushing myself. I had um, two kids, and um, well, yeah. actually had one kid. My wife was pregnant at the time with our second, and to just think back like a lot of people were like doesn't having kids like you know demotivate you to to like slow down or and i was like no it's no. not in the back of my head i i ride motorcycles still uh to push myself and learn new things and that's what kind of guess my dad you know taught me like if you're gonna do anything continue to push yourself and see what you can do absolutely. be the best at it absolutely i mean david goggins uh talks about this all the time and where you know most human beings unfortunately only give 40 percent of the full 100 percent of their effort in life and that's just facts i mean right. i know so many people uh that even give less than 40 percent it's no disrespect but if you know that you have the ability to push yourself uh farther why wouldn't you you For know sure. If you have the time and the effort, exactly. make it happen. Yeah. See how far you can go with anything it, you want to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's uh it's it's pretty crazy. So you were you were thirty years old, um, you did that, you you definitely transformed what the industry looked like and in, into you know where it is today. Looking um uh looking at it now, right? Uh 
what, what, what do you think of the, the sport itself? I just did an interview the other day with a French online magazine called MX, um, mxvoice.racing. It's a good interview. And uh, he asked me that same question. Um, it's gone in a completely different direction to where it's insane. And it's, <laughs> riding bikes has always been pretty insane to me as far as also the tricks and pushing yeah. backflips. But now you got um, Travis Pastrana in his business, Nitro Circus, and these kids are on a complete different level to where, to me, and, and I say it in a nonchalant way, it's a circus. It really is. Yeah. like You know, for these guys to be riding a 240-pound motorcycle and be doing double front flips with tricks and double back flips with tricks and um, – I I don't even like watching it. I don't watch okay. it, you know, and I I would not want my kids to be like, "Hey, I want to be in the Nitro Circus yeah. and do the next triple 360 or whatever." It's to me it's insanity. It's it's uh you're going to get hurt anyways yeah. just getting on a motorcycle and and riding and learning how to ride and go through those steps, you're going to get really hurt. Yeah. Yeah, Especially if, if in your head at all you want to push yourself, you're going to end up in the hospital. For and, sure. And, um, or. Yeah, dead. Yeah. Yeah. So and it, it, it happens. It does. It does. Yeah. And they're setting a precedent that's just so far off the bar that it is, it is crazy. But I, I don't know if that's due to, uh, social media, the culture, the time. Um, but everything is just more and more and more and more. And I think it has to do with passion. These sure. Kids, there we go. You know what I'm that's saying? Travis is crazy. He yes. pushes himself. Yes. Same with all the guys in any sport that I know. Um, but it really does come down to how much passion those kids have. Yeah. And as far as pushing themselves on that level, I don't like it. Yeah. I like pushing myself, but to that extent of getting crushed over and over again, you know, you're just, you're just waiting. Yeah. I, I feel. You no, know, no, of so. course, of course, of course, of course. But then in retrospect, they could have said that about you too back then, for right? Sure, so sure. it's, uh, I think it's apples and, and oranges. And I took the baby steps I felt like to just do a perfect backflip yeah. without overly pushing and being insane about it. Yeah. There's something really beautiful just about a single backflip, right? It just, there is, it's just raw and real. It, yeah. I mean, when you got like the double with the tricks and all of that, it's like fucking insane. Just like yeah. you said, right. But, uh, with, with one backflip, it is, it's just some, it's like a, it's just perfection. It's yeah. just Well, beautiful. for me also, I grew up racing motocross. You know, my dad never expected me to go do tricks or film, you yeah. know, even taking it back further, uh, doing motocross uh, free riding videos for Fox Racing back in the day, the Krusty Demons videos. Yes, I love those, you know, That's dude. really where the whole freestyle vibe started, yeah. where the seed was dropped, and then all of a sudden you have uh, freestyle com competitions and then leading into X game comps. But I grew up being a motocross racer, born and bred. My dad loves still to this day motocross racing. I love hauling ass. Yes. Um, as a kid, I wanted to road race. Okay. But, uh, and like if, if I was to be flipping through the satellite channels and saw motocross and then saw road racing, you better believe I was watching the guys Damn. that were going 180 miles an hour. I love yes. going fast. and um, It is, right? And I got a chance to do that for a while, but it's just so expensive. And for me, I, <laughs> it is. I do push myself and I live on the edge to learn because you do have to crash to learn. And I always said yeah. to myself, 
uh, the more you crash, the sooner you learn what not to do. <laughs> I like that. So it's expensive crashing a road race bike. Yes, yes, yes. Ah, oh, man, that's a that's a good point. Okay, um, we'll we'll get to the we'll get to the snow one. We'll we'll, we'll lead up to that. I want to start off. Um, you know, where, where's your roots? Where did you grow up? Uh, I was born in Huntington Beach, California. I think around five years old, we moved out to Corona. All right. And it was pretty cool. Um, you know, it was when there was still dirt roads around. I could ride from our my parents' one-acre property. And basically, that area, there was no homes between where I lived and where now is the Tyler Mall. Where okay. the Tyler Mall is off of, I think, McKinley in Corona Riverside area, that's where the Corona Raceway used to be. Okay. So as far as racing, my dad would take me from the time I was six years old and until, you know, I was older, 18, and started doing it on my own. I was racing Corona Raceway, Paris Raceway, De Anza, taking me to Barona Oaks in San Diego. Nice. It's pretty much an every weekend deal of my life was racing motocross and then coming home from school every day. I'd be um, out doing laps, you know, and I practicing every day. My, my routine was, uh, set up from my dad being serious and and being race inspired. You're going to go out there, you're going to do two 35 minute motos and then you're done because that's what you do when you go to the races. Usually it's around a 30 minute moto. And um, uh, for people listening, what what is that? 35? Motocross. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. Thirty-five minute moto is that like a thirty-five minute race? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Basically, you're going out and training, and you're on the motocross track wherever your track or going. You're you're on that track from the time the gate drops, or dad drops the, yeah. the fake flag, <laughs> and you're out on the track, and dad's doing lap times, or your mechanics doing lap times, and making sure you're within those same lap times for 35 minutes. Perfect, perfect. And then they pull you off the track, and that's moto one. Okay. Moto two, you get out there and do the same deal, and then um, load the bike and go home. Damn, damn. Do, you, and get your homework done. Uh, were you, <laughs> were you, uh, did you have like an innate ability? Like, were you good from the start? I think so because my dad pushed me so hard. He wasn't an overly dickhead dad where you see these dads that are called motocross dads that yeah. are just, you know, get out there, do that jump. Do I this. hate that, man. You know, it's more just nonchalantly saying, hey, you can do this. You can go do that jump. Well, for me, I'm, you know, want to make my dad proud. I always have. And I'd be like, okay, that's kind of a scary jump, but let's get that done. You see, know? that's, it, there's a, such a huge difference when parents, uh, I, I even have a, like a post just recently about this. It's like the parents that are like, ah, you know, and they did same thing for baseball and, you know, all different sports you have, you know, you know, this dad and this dad, and they're just, you know, over the top crazy, uh, just really trying to push, but with, uh, with like force, right. Uh, you know, where you have the other parent where it's like, you know, they, they inspire the kid. Like you, like you said, you, you wanted to make your dad proud, right. For You're like, sure. fuck this jump is big. My, I want to make my dad proud, right? Dad believes I can do it, Boom. and I can do it. Exactly. You know? But exactly. don't force your kid. There's a lot of parents yes. out there that force their kids into doing shit that they want them to do. Yep. And then by the time they're old enough and you know, right at that age where they're like, oh, I'm getting ready to get a car, I'm getting ready to be an adult, they start thinking about that ahead of time. And then thinking about how their parents treated them, and they're already disgusted and yep. just like, I don't want to do that shit anymore. And I've seen it over and over again my whole life with, with kids who raced and that were badasses, and then they just disappear. 
Dude, I, uh, yeah, yeah. So shout out to your pops, man. Seriously. Yeah. Like yeah, straight Ted, up. Ted's pretty badass. Hell yeah. Ted Metzger. Yep. Oh, that's amazing, <laughs> man. Shout out to him. I'd love to meet him one day. Um, all right. So getting back to your story, right? You did all these races. Uh, do you remember the first race you ever won? My first race, I won. <laughs> See, I knew it, dude. I know it. I know it. It's like yeah. it's like you ask him when Michael Jordan started playing basketball. When's the first time he dunked? The first time I held a ball, you know. It's like <laughs> and it was Cor- Cor- Corona Raceway. So Damn. I grew up in Corona from the time I was like five years old to the day seventh grade got out. Yeah. The day seventh grade got out, I got home and my parents had our whole house loaded up in a U-Haul. And I was like, whoa, this whoa. is crazy. And dad's like, yeah, we're out of here. We're moving to Quail Valley. And Quail Valley is basically where Canyon Lake is. Okay. And um, it was torture moving, moving into this huge house. It was pretty cool that I had like the whole um, basement level. Okay. It was a three-story house. Nice. But the, the bottom, the people who had the home before my parents had 13 cats in the house. And they basically just ran wild the, on the the bottom story Smell which like was piss. everywhere so and i'm allergic to cats always have oh been. shit so my dad kind of tortured me by saying hey this is your room clean it up <laughs> and, uh, for for months on on end i was messed up and always like Ooh. rubbing my eyes and boogers coming out yep, yep. being allergic so damn it didn't didn't do me any good. I no. still hate cats, and I'm still <laughs> allergic to them. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, when you moved into that house, uh, it, you were writing a lot still, obviously. Yeah, actually, every it was, weekend. it's a 35-acre pe- piece of property, so I had my own motocross track. Oh, shit. Is that why he did it? Was there a reasoning? Um, he got a smoking deal on it, I think, okay. back then for 35 acres right outside Canyon Lake. I want to say it was right around like the three hundred thousand dollar mark. He's now trying to sell it so he, him, and my mom can move to Tennessee. Okay, and it's up in the two million dollar price. <laughs> Isn't as that far crazy? As property and house. So. Isn't that crazy, man? It crazy. It's like it's, it's so nuts. You hear about like in like uh, like Studio City, uh, you know, uh, you freaking they bought a house for you know fifteen twenty thousand dollars worth like two million dollars. You know, uh, three hundred thousand dollars, two million dollars. I mean, still it's uh, fantastic and and kudos to them. Um, so at, at how long did you guys live out there? Oh, well, I guess they forever. Still they still do, yeah, right? They still live there since uh, we moved there after seventh grade got out. And uh, both my sisters, um, I'm the oldest, but I have my middle st- sister who's Michelle. And my youngest is Megan. And they all live in that same Menifee community. Wow. So it's pretty cool. We're all super close. I just moved back to Menifee from Big Bear about six weeks ago. Okay. And um, I'm living with a friend right now. And uh, my studio that I share with Colby Rajas in Marietta, right by Factory KTM and Husky. And um, it's really cool. Just like, I don't know how it all works out other than when you're supposed to be doing something, it'll happen. That's exactly it, man. So I'm back home in the area (laughs) where my whole family lives. Uh, my friends, and then uh, I've hooked up with uh, Colby Raha, who's an X Games medalist at 26 years old. He basically yeah. runs the show for for the whole free ride scene. He's a real moto champion. He's also the X Games uh, quarter pipe champion. And just a beast, yeah, man. And it, 26. Yeah, and I just, like I said, I turned 45, and, and hanging out with him doesn't make me 
feel any older than him. You know, yeah. I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life that I've ever been. I feel like I'm younger than most of these kids that I ride yeah. with. Um, I'm definitely not any slower than I used to be riding bikes and I'm enjoying yeah. my life more than I ever have. I'm super stoked that my older kids are doing their thing. My youngest kid is getting into riding and uh, it's just really good. You know, I have no complaints. Dude, that's awesome, man. I love that, uh, you know, you and Colby and you don't, you don't feel like the old man. I mean, you don't look like the old man either too. So, <laughs> I mean, you. it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of 45 year olds and 50 year olds out there that are, you know, their, their bodies don't look like yours, you know? And so Thank it's like you. all about I taking care of yourself. And also, I, I keep pretty inspired by people I've looked up to, you know, like Tony Hawk, yes, Cavallaro, dude. Uh, Christian Hasoy, guys that, you know, as a kid, I always was, like, interested in the whole skate scene, yeah. maybe the whole punk rock scene, yep. which was different than motocross. And um, then you got Matt Hoffman for BMX, yeah. uh, just all these dudes who are pros that each and every one of their games, they're still out there doing it and shredding hard. Dude, absolutely. I mean, you see some of the shit Tony Hawk still does in his 50s. It's fucking epic. He was just on Rogan, you know, a few months ago, man. And just hearing his story and just how he still continues to push himself. For you sure. Know? These guys push themselves each and every day. Like even Steve Cab. Yeah. Um, he's out at least a couple times a week riding motocross. And, the, and I would say just within the last year, he broke his femur riding motocross. <laughs> I, need to, I grew up, dude. I rocked the cabs and everything, man. Fuck, dude. That's a uh, that's still that's that's incredible. And you know, for for you, you still push yourself. Now, would you still do a backflip? Oh, I will be sooner than later. Right now, I'm just you know, like I always say, you got to take baby steps. Yes. My last backflip I did was the worst backflip I ever had done in my life. Um, I ended up breaking my right femur with a rod in it, uh, dislocating my right hip. Uh, smashing just about my whole body, okay. um, breaking my cheek. Dude. So it was ugly. It was leading up to an event that was supposed to happen in, in Australia that, that weekend. I think I broke myself off two days before I was supposed to hop on an airplane and go <sighs> do this deal in Australia, which was called the reunion tour. And I hadn't done a backflip probably almost a year and a half prior wow. to wrecking and just putting too much pressure on myself yeah. and I also, yeah, also just not really being in the, the right mind frame that day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, it just, it comes down to that. Um, you know, going through that process, how long did it take you to heal and do you still feel it? Uh, no, I'm actually a firm believer that in wrecking your body, it takes at least two years to get through whatever type of insane pain you have to deal with. Yeah. Um, I just recently, told that and shared that to my 17 year old kid who's recovering from a broken uh, tibia from skateboarding. And, you know, I call him, I talk to him every day and he's living up in Mammoth snowboarding on the, the snowboard team and working out and I ask him how he feels every day and he complains about it. And I'm like, well, Hey, give yourself a couple years yes. for that pain to, for your body to really work through whatever it has to, whether it's the tendons, the muscles, the displacement of the bone, yeah. you know, it takes a little bit of time for just that, those things that are uncomfortable to get used to where they're going. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, that's a, that's well, I a would definitely point. say a couple years for any injuries, you know, even, even now I got metal in my lower back uh, from snapping my back at, dude, the, uh, 
I did the Queen Mary jump for the Discovery Channel. Yes. And I uh, went a little too far, crushed my L4. So my L3, 4, and 5 in my lower back are all fused. Yeah. And that's one of the injuries that I've had that kind of lingers on. If yeah, I don't stretch, if I don't go ride my road bicycle at least a couple times a week, then my back just starts tightening up, especially tattooing as much yeah. as I do. All hunched over. Yeah, yeah, I have to try to sit straight. And when I ride, especially motocross, I have to have a certain posture that works for me. Yep, it's so and, important. And um, if I don't go and do this, the exercises that I need to do, I'm balled up to where I'm just super uncomfortable and bent over all day. Oh no, trust me, I get it, man. I got a I got a fucked up back, and uh, you know, working out, taking care of yourself, stretching. All of these things are so important. And I wish as a society and culture, we talked about it more, For right? Sure. I mean, especially um, the older you get, you have to exercise. Dude, you have to, you have to. And especially in the climate that we're in with everything going on, it, it, your, your, your health is more important than ever. You know, um, it's, it's so fucking important to take care of your body. And you know, the, the clock doesn't stop ticking, right? Until one day eventually stops forever or, you and know, you, and you can make that happen quicker than you want yes you know it just depends on your attitude and, absolutely and i just recently within the last couple of weeks started training harder than i've ever trained in my life i go to the rock climbing gym called rock rock fitness in wildemar and shout out to them um rock climbing something that i've learned and done from a good friend of mine right out of high school nick siati who that's his number one passion is rock climbing wow and i still hold that in my heart and soul to where that that's my number one exercise that i love <sighs> to do and uh, also I do core exercises every morning, um, stretch, ride the uh, stationary bike yep. at least for 15 minutes and sweat my ass off. Dude, absolutely. And go climb the walls for at least a half hour before I go and get my, my uh, situation dialed in to tattoo that day. Dude, that's a, that's a really great uh, setup that you have right there. Every and day. Beautiful. It's, every, it every day. It works. It does. It does. <laughs> I, I've talked about it so many times. So I suffer from fibromyalgia. And, um, and, and degenerative disc disease in my back. Right. And for the longest time and for years, I just felt like shit all the time, but I put a smile on and just work through it. Right. And, you know, every day I, I, even today, like, or all days, you know, I still, my, I still feel like shit. Right. I, there's levels of feeling like shit. Right. And it's just life, man. Like the, this is the hand that was dealt to me. It is what it is. I'm going to continue to push forward. I don't fucking care. Right. Um, and, I started really just kind of like working out and taking care of my body about a year and a half ago. And the days that I work out and take care of myself, I am at least 75% better than I was fucking, you know, two years ago. And so when I don't work out, when I don't stretch, when I don't get on the Peloton, right? Um, it, I, I can definitely feel it. My body's just super tense, and um, yeah, even my my, my stomach, my lower back, my You're head. Getting older, yes, bro. Brock. I am. I am. I am. Shut the heck up, dude. <laughs> it's true, but uh, I think it's just really important. And I think that uh, you know, like I said earlier, it's like as a society, we need to talk about this more and more. Um, you know, really taking care of your body is so important. So uh, you know, definitely. kudos to you. Um, what did you say that was the name of the rock climbing place? It's called Rock Fit. Fitness Wildemar. Rock Fitness Wildemar. All right, fantastic. Yeah, it's insane. It, it was actually trying to look up if you guys had. Can you a pull rock that up? Places. Yeah. Morning. No, I, dude, I have no idea. Yeah. I've never actually uh, gone rock climbing. I would love to go. Yeah, I love going 
climbing anywhere, but I think that the indoor Rock Fitness Wildemar. Yeah, Rock Fitness. It's just a really cool place. It's my a- my friend Nick Ciotti used to be a setter. He used to set the rock climbs there and everything. What and what is that? What's a setter? A setter is somebody who actually sets the the fake rocks the, to make a route. Okay. So you got Dude. different. You got different. Um, they do it solo. Well, mm-hmm. there's bouldering where they have like boulder caves, boulder walls that are only a certain height. Okay. And then you got the, the um, where you have to uh, clip in. Okay. You know, uh, and you can have a guy who belays you. Well, and what's that? Like pulls you up and yeah, down? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, like if, as you're climbing the, the high wall, uh, a belayer is taking the rope and making oh, the shit. rope tight. Okay. So if so you make it easier. Oh, it, no, not easier, but just making sure that the rope's tight to where if you slip and you fall off the rock, at least they're catching you and they're ah, holding you from slapping the bottom. Dude, so you that, gotta have a ah, lot of trust in your belayer. You definitely do. All right. So this is at rock fitness. Uh, what the hell? Click yeah, on it. Rock fitness. Wildemar. It's super uh, sick there. inside. They got so many climbing routes, bouldering, you can see they got basketball courts, volleyball. Dude, they got everything. Uh, if Holy you look shit. over on the right, they have a trampoline ball thing. Dude, and, and so what? Do they have like a monthly membership? Yeah, or? monthly membership. It's like 70 bucks a month, and oh my it's way gosh, better than going to This is to way better. Listen, listen, Santa Clarita, you build some amazing skate parks and, <laughs> right. and dirt and, and, and mountain bike trails and all that shit. You got to build one of these. And they also have a ninja course, American Ninja Shut style the heck course. up. See that? They got free weights. They got uh, cardio machines. Dude, that is like the best gym ever. It is. It really is. I know. Wow. Yeah, wow. they have a babysitter. You could bring your little kids. They'll babysit. Ah, I love yeah. that. I love that. I love that. I love that. Um, all right, fantastic. We'll uh, we'll definitely plug them in the, right, in the, in the sure. thing. Cool. Sure. That's um, what I do every morning. It keeps me wanting to get inspired to wake up, especially go see my dad, drink coffee. And then hit the gym before I go and tattoo most of the day. Dude, that's perfect. How long do you, how long is your traditional workout? Not traditional, uh, between, it's non-traditional. It just depends. I'm usually there right when they open at eight. And then I jump on the cardio bike, the spin bike, get get a sweat in, stretch, um, do my core exercises. Once I burn out on that, then I put my rock climbing shoes and harness <laughs> on and I'll try to rip some walls like that right there is Dude, that's like the boulder cave. You can climb that? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, wow. And I have a hard time finding people who really are into doing that other than my best friend, Nick Ciotti, that I grew up with. Dude. He's pretty busy working now, and uh, he's got a, a garage that's a full, full-blown full rock climbing gym with Wait, weights what? and everything. He built a rock climbing gym in his garage? Yeah, it's it's really cool. He helped me build a rock climbing gym in my parents' house where they still live right Wait, out of high school. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. We did that a lot. And uh, that's, it's like I said, hard to find people who are into doing that. Dude, that's so sick. Do you ever do it like outside of a gym? Do you ever like... I have... Um, it's just a lot harder cause then you're dealing with real rock. Yeah. Usually you got to find somebody who knows the place yes. and knows the routes Yeah. then you, you know, if you're bouldering, it's one thing. Usually you need to take like a bouldering mat. Cause if you get up, you know, say 10, 15 feet and you do slip, you got to make sure you're falling on something safe. Okay. So they usually boulder guys, they have a pad, a mat that they bring in where they're going to climb. 
Huh. Um, if you're climbing big wall, you got to have a big long ass rope and somebody who's going to help belay, and then you take turns. Damn, man! I wish they. I'm going to look into that because I like that. There's just so many different things, and you know that's. I mean, I guess not right now. I doubt it'd be open, but you know, once this passes, of course it will. Um, I, I I I like that because I don't like the traditional style of of workout. Then again, yeah, I do come I do come in here every single morning. I turn on the fucking floor heater. I like to get it really fucking hot. I put out my mat and I stretch and I work out and uh, you know for like ninety minutes or whatever. That's but good. It, That's it is where it starts. Exactly. Push up, sit up. Yep. Playing. I got these bad boys right here. Bowflex ones that go from 30 to, or yeah. they go from zero to 52 or five to 52. Yeah, you even got the weights going. Hell yeah, man. That's good, Brock. Dude, it is. It is. It is. And I'm not trying to get like super shredded, but like I, you know, this time two years ago, I was almost 200 pounds. I'm 175 now. Wow, man. You know, I had Congrats. a, I had a big ba- like beer belly and yeah. even this guy did too. And, uh, it wasn't big, but, uh, it uh def- hey, I was the same. I was 200. I'm 165. There we go, baby. Good job. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I think it's good. if your mind doesn't go in that direction yeah. and you don't realize like you got to be healthier and exercise, then you're just going to continue to Dude. go downhill. 100 percent. all right so let's bring it back to your story right so uh you you were you were winning all those races you were doing amazing at what point did you go uh maybe i can turn this into something i think with the whole freestyle motocross thing i had kind of just gotten burnt out on not being the best guy okay you know like going to to contests and just kind of being well because i wanted to race you know when the whole freestyle thing started i was kind of missing motocross a lot yeah i even had sponsors that were like why are you at this motocross race you should be like going and jumping at the freestyle contest and shit you know where it kind of bummed me out because they're like whoa he's the guy and and i didn't want to be the guy i wanted to be the motocross guy yeah which i you know for some reason I was, I think what held me back from being, say, the best motocross guy, like, say, a Jeremy McGrath or a Ricky yeah. Johnson that I looked up to, was I was injured a lot. Okay. And I don't think I had the focus and the drive to train, yeah. you know? If I, if I focused and trained like I do now, <laughs> when I was 16, yeah. 18, it would have been a different story, but I was... I don't know, I wasn't the biggest dude or like ripped with muscles as a kid. I was always like the smallest dude in school. And then I didn't really even grow till out of high school. Okay. But I was always hurt from the time I started racing at six years old. And I remember breaking my first bone, which was my right ankle, and I broke it bad. Dude, um, how old were you? Six. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think after Gangster. that, I was always hurt, you know. Yeah. And most of the time I look back and I was like, oh, at that big race, I was hurt. Yeah. Oh, at that race, I was hurt. And so I I just kind of got used to being hurt. And it's one thing to go out and race motocross and have that adrenaline and push through being hurt. But then after the race, you got to come home and then train and yeah. push yourself. I didn't really have it in me to just want to be on top of my game so much that I could train and, and think that it was in me to just – strive to be that guy so i didn't go out and win super crosses my best super cross finish was a, a sixth um yeah sixth in the 125 class i think for outdoor nationals i got like a 12th okay and uh you know i got to see the world racing motocross that's supercross. amazing right so that's what's really cool about looking back at my motocross career 
And also with freestyle, I got to travel the world and to see like the most beautiful places that I would have never, you know, thought that was possible. Yeah. Except I did it because of motocross and freestyle and, and just bikes, it's motorcycles. Ju it's just incredible that you. Uh, that anyone can do that right you, you sure. get on this 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 motorcycle right if you will and it can get you to travel the world it can get you to do yeah. some of the most and amazing things and pay your bills right like it's just mind-boggling to me but now it's um it's just uh you know another piece like it's it's like another sport right sure. um you know you you see in the winter uh, winter olympics or snowboarding but they're just about to put uh you know what BMX and skateboarding in yep. the summer Olympics. I mean, sure. uh, you know, for the first time, I don't know if it's the first time. Can you look that? Can you fact I check that for is. me? I think pretty uh, sure that this year, didn't they? Or two, 2021, two, they're supposed to have the Olympics yeah, in Japan yeah. or something. So yeah. I think it's getting pushed off maybe because of a the year, whole COVID, COVID deal. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's a lot of cool sports that are going in that are not necessarily mainstream sports. Yeah that are now going to be Olympic sports. Dude, so. it's, it's, I mean, it's, I think for me, the coolest thing would, would in the future see motocross racing yeah. be like an Olympic sport. Why wouldn't it be right? I think like it will be, I know it should be. I mean, right? especially as like my generation, like you're, you know, you guys get older than I get older. Like, of course it has to be. I mean, do, do you sure. know how many people freaking, you, what? There's your 2020 us, Okay, so it was this it year then. This year, Tokyo, 2020. This there it is. No, 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 I wouldn't. I, what? Yeah. So it happened? No, double check that. Double maybe check. it was supposed to happen supposed and to happen. it got put on hold. Yeah, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, because okay. of the whole COVID. Yeah, deal. so in a year or two, what is that, Nigeria? How you pronounce it? Well, it's every four years. Yeah, exactly, right? yeah. So the next one would be 2024. And then I think and LA is LA. supposed to be 2028. Yeah, and yeah, yes. that's gonna be nuts, man. I definitely the, will be there. Oh hell yeah, hell yeah! My, Hopefully they'll have motocross in it, dude. They freaking better. Like right. I mean, I, it's it's so much better than some of the fucking sports that they have in there. What that says is it's supposed to re-enter. They're going 2021. You were right, man. Olympics, but in July of 21. Yeah, so it okay. says uh, the Summer Olympics officially the games of, yeah, yeah whatever. There it is. Tokyo Olympia, known Tokyo. Yeah, dude. Oh, my gosh. And who's on the team? We pull, we pull up the teammates. No, Nigel is uh, yeah, probably the yeah. number one dude. Dude, I was looking at his Instagram early. Dude, he is just... Ah. I think he just turned like 26, 20, 26, 26, bro. Okay. And he's been skating since he was a kid. Yeah. I remember seeing him when he had his, his dreadlocks and Dude. guy with his dad hanging out at all the X games. That, that's just crazy, yeah. man. Competing with the big dogs. Look yeah, at that, there man. He is on the left. Yep. There he is in his short shorts. Yeah. He's so talented. I mean, the whole team can go. That's so fucking cool. Like I, I never in my wildest dreams thought I would see this. Cause I grew up skateboarding, right? That was like my thing. And, uh, you know, to see it now, I mean, of course, I mean, motocross is for sure going to be in it. I, I mean, so. dude, it just, it, it, in my mind, in your mind, in all of our mind, it just makes sense. Yeah. And probably yeah. like one of the most watched things. I mean, because skateboarding for sure, for sure is going to be huge in it. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, you know, for, for you, when did the freestyling thing come, come about? You know, you, you had to make the conscious decision like, all right, this motocross thing isn't working out. I'm going to go this way. 
Um, actually, I think it was 1998. We had our our first freestyle event, which was called the Vans Triple Crown. There was yes. three events. The first one was in Vegas. Unfortunately, I missed the first one because of uh, the year prior. Uh, right towards the end of the year in November, I'm pretty sure I broke my first femur, ah. and that was at a Supercross race in France. And then, Fuck um, yeah. and then I would say March was when our first event for freestyle happened, but I still wasn't able to ride. Okay, so I remember being able to uh, give my bike to a guy named Edgar Torn Terrace. Okay, who's basically like the godfather of freestyle from Europe. Okay, he's from Spain. So he's like you, but from Europe. Yeah, from Spain. Nice. And Edgar's he's a badass. Like everything the dude does, he's a DJ. He's a beatboxer. Yeah, and everything he does. Yeah, exactly. You have to look up Edgar Torn Terrace. But anyways, he's a man. He's a family man. He's got kids, and he still goes out there and tears it up. He's Dude. a monster athlete. Yeah, travels around doing the Masters of Dirt tour. <laughs> uh, he grew up racing motocross, also. Um, but yeah, the freestyle deal happened in '98, and then it started. I think the whole business. I think it was IFMA, International Freestyle Motorcycle Association. Yeah. I think it changed hands to the people who own and ran the Supercross. Okay. And so it went from us winning like $10,000 for a first place prize to all of a sudden like the following year it getting taken over and you go to these events in these stadiums where you were making like 1250 bucks for first place. Wait, what? Yeah, it was weird. So that's what happens when the corporations get a hold of something good and and then you know, they make it to where they get the money and they pay their people and the athletes just kind of are there. And if, What the fuck? Yeah, it was crazy. And so I wasn't really into the whole like going and showing off and risking my life for no money. I did a few. I did a handful. Yeah. But it was more of like a, a push for me to like, ah, I'm just going to no. ride. I'm going to yeah. go race motocross. And that's where the sponsors were like, well, you could be winning that stuff, yeah, and we would be paying you to um, to be our sponsored athlete. Yeah, and I was just more like, yeah, well, they took the fun out of it. The fun was going, winning big money, and then um, and it was you know the first year was just really memorable because of it being the first time you know, and and Travis Pastrana was out there. He ended up hurting himself. I'm pretty sure at the second event. <laughs> which was in Havasu. He went okay. for like a hundred and I want to say 65 foot double across the whole stadium. It was like a flat track stadium outdoors. 160 feet. I'm pretty yeah. sure it was that big. And he came from outside the stadium and just on 125 and came up short, basically decked the wall and broke his hips off of his, off of his pelvis. So it was just, you know, to look back and be like, that kid is so gnarly, and he continues to push himself Oh, my himself God. Now. Yeah, and what is he, 40 now? I mean, Yeah, 35? he's probably about five years younger than me, right around that. Can you look up how old Travis Pastrana is, man? Uh, yeah, that dude's... <laughs> so I ended up winning the Triple Crown that year, even though I missed the first event. I Wait. went and won the second, then I won the third, which I want to say was in, like, Seattle, Washington. How did you win the triple? Don't you have to win all three or no? Well, it, the was, best of three? it was the Vans Triple Crown of Freestyle. Okay. So it was all a point steal all, every event. Got it. And, and so I'm pretty sure I won the, the last two. Travis won the first one, got hurt at the second one, and then um, 
kind of that's where history started as far as freestyle motocross. Do, Crazy. Do you think that, uh, and what year was that? Did you say the triple crown? Well, let's say 1998. Okay. First year. So 1998. Damn. And so then it was like eight or nine years from that point until we did the, no. Do you remember what year you did the first backflip? 2002. Oh, so it was four years, four years. And you were building up to that, right? When did you get the name, the Godfather? Like- I think right off the bat. Um, I want to <laughs> say that, that, uh, one of the announcers, um, having a brain lock right now it's all good but uh one of the announcers that was a guy who hung out and um basically did all the freestyle shows for years and years damn cameron Steele. there we go cameron Cameron Steele was the main announcer and he kind of just tagged that name onto me but um i don't know I, i think out of all the motocrossers that grew up with me I was one that was inspired by BMX. Yeah. Like more so as I was a kid racing, I always was like inspired to BMX. Okay. Whether it was go BMX race, which my dad wouldn't let me, or go jump with the neighborhood buddies. I just always had it in me to like, oh, I want to be the guy on yeah. my BMX bike trying that jump first. Yeah. And so that attitude kind of just rolled over to me riding my dirt bike. That's I it. always felt like it was easy for me to be the first guy to jump something. Yes. And uh, nowadays I, I like to think that in my wise old age, <laughs> I can I can tone it back and be like, I'm going to watch these kids do it first. Yeah. I know I can do it, Yeah. but it's easier for me to just go, I'm going to kick back. Let the young dudes take the chance of hurting themselves. Yeah. And then like, oh, I can do that. Yeah, you're like, I can do that. Did you look yeah. it up? How old is he? Sorry. Uh, 37. Travis okay. is 37. So he's almost 40. Yeah, he's almost 40. But that's funny, man. Do you think it was uh, confidence or cockiness when you were younger? I think it's always been confidence. I know I, I've had my fair share of being a cock. <laughs> um, <laughs> just being overly confident at times, which always leads to getting yeah. hurt. But I've always been pretty confident, I'd say, because the way my dad raised me. Just into I love that, man. You know, just like always telling me I could do it. Dude, I love that. You know how many times you've talked about your dad and how he's raised you and how much of a you can just it just shows like how much of an inspiration and how important he is to you and 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 you are you're 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 a living breathing testament to what your dad created because i believe that a a child's life they learn like the most in those early years man they're like a fucking sponge and it it, it can you know dictate how their life really ends up and how they become or who they become right um and it's very hard to change the course especially when maybe you don't have the best parents that's why a lot of times if you have you know a parent that that hits their child right or leads with the iron fist it's because they used to get hit and led with an iron fist and then there are times not not as much where you know a kid says i'm not going to be like that i'm going to change the course but i I'm telling you, it's been out of the 60 guests or so, 50 guests that have been on here, maybe five or six have talked about their parents like you. And it's it's always been someone that is, you know, a, a legend or a leader in their field, right? Um, and it's because of, you know, parents like your dad. So. I definitely believe that I am who I am because of my parents and the way my dad raised me. There's definitely been hard times where I've grown up going, 
this guy's a dick. Yeah. You know, of but, course, but of course. As I get older and I look back at the things that I've done and I wouldn't have ever been able to do it without my dad's help. Yeah. That the dude's just hands down an amazing person. And then, you know, just living every day. I run across people every day. Hey, how's Ted? Yes. You know, and yes. he's just such a good dude to everybody. Yeah. You know, my dad's actually a custom pool builder. No way. He's done a lot of custom pools for guys like, you know, in the motorcycle industry, Jeremy McGrath. Nice. Um, Ryan Hughes, Dave Pingree. Uh, Can guys, you see it? Can we look at his stuff online? Uh, he's not an he's not an online dude. All right, all uh, right. He all doesn't right. have a website. I don't, maybe Jeremy posted yeah, a picture. Maybe I've never actually looked online to see if Ted Metz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look that up. Look it up. Yeah, hey, you can switch funny. your headphones around so it doesn't come across your oh, okay. your body. Right on, uh, switch right. ears if you want. Um, but uh, damn, that's awesome. So when you were younger, did you ever help him out? I did. I would say that I thought I worked pretty hard at times to just you know, be around my dad and work with him as a kid. But he would tell you that, yeah, he didn't work that hard. He showed up a couple of <laughs> times and that was it. That's so cool. <laughs> How about your parents, uh, your dad's parents? Um, my dad's dad grandparents. is Grandpa Fritz and he's uh, directly right out of Austria. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So his mom, my, my grandma, Mutti, Julie, yeah. um, she came over years ago from on the boat. Wow. And uh, through Ellis Island? I'm not sure exactly the whole story, but um yeah, full German. Uh wow. as far as their you know, I just remember being a kid and going to their houses and to, um, you know, say Christmas parties and stuff where there was a lot of German speaking going <laughs> on between my great grandma and my grandpa and a few other people, but you don't really hear too much German anymore. No. I bet my grandpa wishes that there was, you know, more people in yeah. the family that spoke German, but it would be amazing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Did did your dad know any German? Nope. Nope. No, I, I think the most German my dad uh, still has in him is probably he could still play the accordion, <laughs> <laughs> but, but he won't get it out of the, out of the closet. <laughs> How old's your pops? Uh, he's 62. Damn, how old was he when he had you? 17? Pretty young, I would have to say. Well, if you're 45, it would be 17, right? Yeah. Damn, yeah. son. 17. Damn, that's so fucking cool. I mean, I have to say, like, I'm 33, or I'm going to be 34 on next Friday. Um, but uh, my wife and I, we've been together for 17 years, and we don't have kids yet, and we're going to have kids in like a year or two. Um and it's gonna, you know, I'll be kind of like an old dad, you know, but uh, I appreciate that I, I got to experience and do all the things that I did. Um, and then on the flip side, it's like, damn, you know, I, if I was 18 years old and then my kid, you know, it just kind of like, you know, the, the same situation with your grandpa uh, and your dad or even you, right? You, but but I wouldn't be the man I am today because I was definitely a fuckhead. So um, <laughs> we can all be. I was. Yes, I'd definitely say my dad uh, kept me pretty tight under his thumb as far as like making sure I didn't. I didn't get to really have friends growing up. Wow, you know, like he was pretty tight about me going over to or not going over to other people's houses. Uh, kids in the neighborhood weren't allowed to come into our house. Why? I just that was his rules. You know, wow. he didn't want me going and, and being around 
fucked off parents basically yeah. you know like, like you said there's a lot of parents out there who aren't doing the right thing for sure and so for me it was you know and i, I as i grew up i was always like what a dick he doesn't yeah. let me hang out and have friends but now i i don't need friends i mean i do have a lot of <laughs> friends but i prefer to be alone a lot of times i get that you know? i get it's that like, i get that just the way it is for me dude when i was younger i was uh i always needed to be around someone i always had to have friends around man uh, we would be dude this house would be fucking packed with people dude i mean this this room used to be like a barber shop right and um and i mean i would be cutting someone's hair there'd be three people on a couch it looks so different than this uh there'd be like three people on the couch it'd be fucking five people in the living room and that's how it was like i always needed to be around people um and and my houses were always the places where people would come over sure. I've, I've been that guy too yes yeah but i'm 33 almost 34 years old and i'm like i don't fucking care i just yeah. like i like well, i don't I mind being myself. That more so the more people we have hanging out with yeah. us that there there's a lot of people that just, just suck dick dry ride, yeah. you know just yes. like want to just dude they just want to suck so they yes. want more and more and more yeah. and then yeah. you finally realize like whoa what am i doing with all these people hanging out they're not really up to any good exactly it's it's quality not quantity man for sure and you have to learn that through through trial and error yeah for sure absolutely absolutely did you answer it um actually so i wanted to make sure because when you said my dad would have been like 17 i was yeah. like that's wrong so <laughs> So my dad's sixty six right now. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, 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 uh, twenty one. Okay, so he's twenty one. I was twenty five when I had my first. Okay, okay, so, all right. Well, yeah, still I either way, sure. I was like, he wasn't banging at seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dad. oh man, that's crazy, dude. That's freaking crazy. Um, but still, I mean, you're forty five. He is, uh, you know, sixty six. It's uh, he says still, you know. Yeah. I mean, and you're you're still, a young dad. He still acts super young as far as you know. He still rides mountain bikes and. Um, he's just up every morning at five o'clock and he, he lives on a, a 35 acre hill okay. above Canyon Lake where he walks his hill basically routine every day to where he's at least walking up to the top three times to <laughs> sometimes 11 times a day where Dude. that's his thing. He's retired from construction, but yeah. still helps run his company, um, through, through one of his best dudes that uh, is still younger and, and does the custom pools. And so it's still his company or did he sell it? Uh, I think he pretty much just like sold it over. Yeah. But he also is the, the guy who, if um, clients that had pools built, they want to talk to Ted, then they get a hold of him and he'll go and check on different things. Yeah. You know, his specialty is building like custom rock, kind of like how Disneyland, if you go to Disneyland, you see all the Yeah, of course. Rock. That's the type of custom stuff that he's into. Oh my Waterfalls. Gosh. Dude, that's um, so cool. It's so creative and such artwork. Um, uh, and then that's going to lead over to you, right? Uh, that's for my dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, dude, I'll send you, uh, we'll, we'll definitely cut clips about, about your pops uh, in this for you, for sure. And you can share it with him. Um, absolutely, man. Um, so, so. Uh, you talked about real quick about your dad's creativity, or I said your dad's creative because of the rocks, right? And the waterfall. And that's a direct, uh, to you, a correlation to you because sure. tattooing, right? Does yeah. that make sense? Well, this is a funny story that I just recently heard, like I'd say within the last month, cause I'm hanging out with my pop 
And he asked me what I've been doing, and I said, oh, I'm painting a lot of flying spark plugs. <laughs> because uh, it's just something routine, like like this tattoos of a cartoon spark. Yeah. And I've always drawn uh, flying eyes, flying spark plugs, yeah. motorcycle helmets. This is part of growing up and the things I guess I was attracted to. But my dad says, oh, really? Spark plugs, huh? Because you've drawn spark plugs for as long as I can remember. Um, yeah, you just drawn spark plugs. The next thing I know, it's kind of, I see the thing flicker in his head where he's like, wait a second, I met your mom in art class. I remember because I was working on a paper mache spark plug. It was about three feet Shut tall. The fuck. Yeah, and he up. just this just came up within the last month of me going and hanging out with him. He says this, and I'm just like dumbfounded, going, "Wait a second! You were in art class. You're building a paper mache spark plug." And he said it was a champion spark plug. <laughs> And then he goes, yeah, that's where I met your mom in art class. I was a senior. Your mom was a freshman. And I remember after I was done making the spark plug, I went over and I bopped her on the head with it. <laughs> what the heck? Day, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> so I walked over and said something to my mom about, hey, so you met dad in art class? <laughs> and she's like, oh, my gosh, and starts getting into it. And then, and then I go, what about the spark plug that he made? And she's like, Oh yeah, that's right. And no way. Yeah, weird, right? That's just like that's fucking crazy, man. So that's, that's something like, to do, dude. Just like it, it's in your DNA, right? That's what I thought, dude. After hearing that, I'm just like, well, that is super weird because my whole life being an artist, it's always been. Ah, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You got motocross yeah. and you got artwork. Yeah. And so those two things don't really vibe together. If I you're an that. artist, you're not really an athlete. You're kind of just doing your own thing. <laughs> yeah. Motocross, you're a full-blown athlete. You got to go to the gym, be in the best shape. So it's always been like something that's kind of torn me apart yeah. to, to be able to balance both of them. And I haven't really been able to balance the art in the motocross or the bike riding until recently. Okay. Um, but yeah, I remember my dad kind of like bagging on artists, people with tattoos. I mean, I remember my dad saying people with tattoos are people that have serious problems. Dude. He doesn't have any tattoos. My mom doesn't have any tattoos. And, um, I just remember kind of feeling like almost like a weird kind of hate vibe, from my dad about yeah. artwork. So for yeah. him to tell me that he met my mom yeah. in art class, <laughs> it just it was really shocking. It's like an oxymoron. Like, right? <laughs> and he said the only reason he was in art class in the first place was just to have like e- get easy credits, yeah, yeah. you know, as an elective. For sure, for sure. And so, um, yeah, you- but he is an artist straight up. That dude, dude you know, come on. as far as an architect, as far as sculpting things out of concrete and then my mom she's a crazy artist she's into well since i was a kid she's done all kinds of art from um everything she can paint she i remember seeing rocks that she etched with animals like full money look at it one of those like skip a water skip like that big and and she would have like deers and where you're like whoa she should sell those man and now she I don't know. She's in taking care of her house, but their house uh, that I grew up in since seventh grade got out. She that hole downstairs that I told you about yeah. is like her crap collection of all <laughs> kinds of stuff. Like 
if you say you need something, she's got five of them. She's like, here you go. Yeah. She's a, <laughs> she's a, good a mom. book collector. Um, plus, she's collected all of the memorabilia that I've been in for Damn. all the years. So, so any type of toys, magazines, um, she's collected everything. Dude, as your parents, they've got to, they, they have to be so fucking proud. I mean, thank you, dude. They have to be <laughs> like, I, 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 I mean, if I, when I have a kid, and I will always, I, I mean, I don't can't say always, but I hope to always be proud of them. But if you have a kid and they grow up to be, you know, what 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 you have done, right? Uh, it's just, it's it's amazing. I think what's cool nowadays is that I've had my own kids, and they can be grandparents. And same with my sisters, and that our kids are maniacs, and they are good at what they do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, my son, Myrie, is insane at snowboarding, <laughs> and he's won championships in mountain bikes and done BMX, along with my youngest. And then my daughter, uh, she's done everything, you know, just all kinds of different stuff. But her main thing is being an artist, and at her age, she's well beyond how good I could draw when when I was her age, Damn. you know what I'm saying? I was drawing like cartoons with, <laughs> with shoulders out like this where my daughter. It's like his daughter yeah. so good. So good. His daughter's so good. And so it's pretty, good. it makes me proud. To you can be pull like up some. How, you know, it's in her DNA. Yes, to be exactly. Able to do that. That's what that's it's it's so crazy. It's like you know you I I look like a like look at a dog right as a puppy right and it just goes and it knows to like lift up its leg and go pee like yeah, no one taught him that or you know <laughs> how, how does it know that right and so it's like the same I know it's just kind of a funny analogy but it's like the same thing with human beings it's like when you have kids and like you're very creative you're really good at this like it just is implanted inside of them so that. They just are innately, you know, have this ability to be good at that or be better at that and could be great if they put the work into it, right? Exactly. I heard something the other day. I've I've been watching a bunch of motivational stuff on on YouTube, and it said for a champion to be a champion, it takes 10,000 hours of practice to be that champion level. Yes. To be a legend, it takes 20,000 hours. Well, I think my dad put 20,000 hours in me by the time I was 18 years old. You know what I'm Dude, saying? Look at that, man. And uh, and that's just, you know, been something that I've lived with to where I'm like, man, if I want to do this, I want to do it the best I can. And if I don't want to do it, then then get out of the game and go do something else. Absolutely. And if you're going to do something else, keep taking the steps to learn how to be the best at it. And I, I definitely owe that to my dad to where – he was like, dude, if, if you're not going to be the best at what you're trying to do each and every day, don't do it. Exactly. There's something else out there that you're going to want to do more than something where you're like, oh, this really isn't that fun. Dude, it's 100% correct. You know, you saying that about 10,000 hours, 20,000 hours, It uh, this is like my favorite quote um, you know, of, of all times. Right. And it's from a, from a Macklemore song and it's uh greats weren't great because at birth they could paint greats were great because they paint a lot. Greats weren't great because at birth they could paint. Greats were great because they paint a lot. For sure. You it's know? so true because it takes practice for practice. whatever you're going to be good at. 
It takes practice. It's, and it's repetition. Like you said, it's just doing it over and over and over again. And you also said, it's like, if this isn't, or your dad says, like, if you're not great at this or you're not putting all your effort into this, right, do something else. For sure. And unfortunately, in t- today's society in America, so many people get stuck in the fucking rat race, right? And then they wake up one day and they're 40, 50, 60 years old and, you know, they haven't done what they wanted to do. And so having, you know, parents that are supportive and fucking pushing you to be the best. It definitely is easier when you have parents that push you to do something and find what you enjoy. Oh, I definitely believe I did that with my kids as far as like, Hey, if you aren't into this, then let's find something else that you're into. And I never felt like I was overly pushing any of my kids to do something that they may not want to be doing. Absolutely. You know, I do definitely feel like my dad put a lot of effort into making sure that he wanted me to be a motocross bike rider, um, but he didn't beat it into me. There's a you difference. Know? Yeah, for it's sure. It's a huge difference, right? At the beginning of the podcast, you are talking about the two different types of dads, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, it's, 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 it's pivotal for who you are and into your, your career. Um, you know, when things started taking off for you and you started traveling and, uh, you know, getting recognized, what did that feel like? Like what went through your head? Did you have, I sometimes ask this to people, did you have like imposter syndrome? Um, like where you're like, you know, for, for, for you, it's like, I, I, this is, this isn't me. Right. Or I don't understand or having these feelings that I can't live up to this. Um, I think I was in awe of like, wow. I get to travel with these guys because it was Supercross. Yeah. Uh, when I first started getting to, to travel, it was because of racing Supercross. And I got to travel with the dudes that I looked up to that I was like, wow, I belong with these guys. Yeah. And they have always made me feel comfortable. Yeah. You know, any of the guys that I ever got to hang out with, whether it was Supercross or getting to hang out with the, some of the best dudes in the tattoo world. Um, they always made me feel really comfortable, like I belonged there. I never felt like, okay, I suck, I, I shouldn't be here. That's it. Right? So I think I, I think the worst thing for me was being probably a little too confident in myself and and not being able to take baby steps, you know. And then that's why I would always be hurt, you know. I'd be at the Supercross, and I'm the younger dude looking up to the guys who are on top of their game. And I'm like, well, if they can do that, I can do that. <laughs> but when you're a kid and you're stuck in a kid body and you're dealing with men who have been racing motocross and can just put the bike where they want, yeah, um, it makes a big difference in, in how you can maneuver the bike and get the bike to do what you want. And so being a kid, I was a, hurt a lot. And I think it was due to being overconfident. What what about um, when you started getting into your adult body and you know it, you, things things changed? Um, I think that would have been more towards where the whole freestyle thing yeah. started happening towards the late nineties and then into the two thousands, where I was pretty much just saturated with jumping and freestyle motocross. Yep, you know, kind of the racing was kind of pushed away. And with freestyle motocross, it's such a different deal being on a bike for, say, two minutes at the most. Where you're going out there, you're hitting the biggest jumps and trying to do a routine that's impressive to the judges or to the fans. And um, I don't know. I still, 
I love motocross. I just went out to uh, Fox Raceway at Paula yesterday and got to ride with one of my heroes growing up, which is Ryan Hughes. Okay. And I got to talk to Ryan about life, and I was really surprised. I asked him how old he was. He said he was 47. I was like, <laughs> I was like are you sure? And he's like, yeah, Isn't that funny, yeah right? I'm sure. I'm going, dude, you're only two years older than me. I just turned 45. And, and then, you know, I knew he grew up with Jeremy McGrath, who yeah. Jeremy has the same birthday as me, oh, shit. and he just turned 49. So I expected... Damn, that's it, crazy. Yeah. And I expected Ryan... To be right there at like 49, 50 years old. I actually thought he was older than Jeremy. So that was a super surprise to me. And I went out there and put in some laps with him. Um, maybe to be honest, like three laps, I was able to hang on with him. Yeah. But I just recently started getting back into the whole motocross yeah. thing. So I didn't expect a whole lot out of myself. I was actually surprised that I hung with him as long as I did. Um and it's just crazy because I don't feel like I am a big dude. You know, yeah. I don't have, I'm not tall. I don't have freaking Superman looking arms. <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't take steroids. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm just not on that page. And yeah. it always felt like in my head that my body kind of held me back from being like the superstar motocross dude that's winning everything. Yeah. Um, but it's it wasn't that wasn't my plan, or that plan wasn't for me. Yeah. Let's say yep. you know, and and uh, to me, there's a higher power that makes my life um, happen without yeah. me stressing out about anything. I could step back and and just go through my daily routine and know that at the end of the week, yeah. the effort that I put in was just meant to be, and yeah. it's going to lead up to something bigger and better and greater than what I can even picture. Because like when I went out and won X Games, I just told myself leading up to winning the gold medal, I, I just said, I want to win medals. Like, you know, there had <laughs> been so many years prior of me just showing up and probably having a bad attitude that I was there because I wasn't racing. But then once I put that little bit of motivation in and, and was like, dude, I'm waking up early. I'm going to go prep my freestyle course. I'm going to just put in the work. Yeah. And then I showed up to Gravity Games. I ended up second behind Pastrana and Freestyle. Oh. And then I went to uh, X Games, and I ended up winning the Freestyle. I ended up winning the best trick. <laughs> I ended up getting silver medal in the Step Up, which I didn't even. I wasn't even signed up to do Step Up. My wife at the time was. She was like, "Hey." why aren't you doing step up? Like you can do step up. And I was like, well, okay, you're pretty much asking me to do it. I'll do it. And I got <laughs> silver medal, you know? So it's just like a surprise. And the, the effort that anyone puts into something, as long as you don't make your goals too high and like yeah. over the top where you're going to be bummed if you don't accomplish them, um, you never know what can happen. But as long as you put in a, a little bit of effort yeah. towards reaching some type of goal, it can be amazing. And then after you're done, it can be shocking to where you're like, Whoa, I fucking did that. Yep. Dude. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's so important to say that because so many people set these high level expectations, right? Exactly. And it's just like, no fucking stop doing that. It's these little bits at a time. It's like, okay, I have this bigger goal, but what, what are the steps to get there? And so that, that first step, that is my goal to get to exactly. that step. Right. And then what's the next step? And That's then the next step. Starts. And then one day you wake up and you're like, fuck, I'm up here. Right. But yeah. if you constantly are trying to get to the top super fucking fast, 
it's not going to happen. And you're burning yourself out. You're getting yeah. hurt, and yeah. you're just doing. You're going backwards. Exactly. That's it. I mean, in anything that you do in life, it doesn't matter if it's sports, work, business, whatever the hell it is. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's the same mindset over and over again. Um, and so many people just try to reach too high and uh, can't succeed and they don't understand why and so uh you know for me i used to be that person right and so now i'm at this thing where it's just like a little bit a little bit i have this bigger goal but that's over here i I want i get a lot of people asking me like you know how should i do this yeah baby steps boom you know that's it act like you're a baby learning to walk and at least as you're walking or crawling in that direction to where you can see yourself possibly being, yeah. But don't put high expectations where you may not get there. Absolutely, just try. Absolutely, that's yeah. it, man. That's yeah. it. I mean, I, I I can't say that enough. You know, when I started this podcast, right, less than a year ago, man, I just I don't, I don't know. I didn't know where it was going, right? I did it because I had constant conversations. Like, so I, I used to do a lot of hair and I run a professional hairstyling tool company now. Um, but I also used to be on the creative side and I had a clientele. I mean, he used to be my client, right? And I'd be cutting hair all the time. And um, I was the type of person where instead of a 30 minute haircut, it would turn into a two minute, two hour haircut. Three. Three hour haircut. We get into deep long. Cut. I would go get my haircut. I'll see you in an hour. No, I'm gonna see you in about three. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And um and and just like so many people are like you know like have you thought about starting a podcast? And I was super into Rogan and just like all of these things. And then you know last year for my birthday, my wife bought me not this setup but a, a three mic fucking setup podcast setup. And um the year before that, she had gotten me. Uh, like lessons, uh, one-on-one lessons with a with a comedian that could help me like work on a on a skit because I wanted to do that right. Just try it out, and That's I cool. got I got too nervous. I didn't do it right. Um, I I was just I didn't do it, and so when she got me the podcast set up, I was like. And, you have no choice. I had no choice. And my friend gave me the best quote, and I talk about it all the time. Uh, it, it's four words: just fucking do it. Right. That's it. Just fucking do it. Whatever happens, happens, and. So I just did it, man. And, and, and lo and behold, just these little bits, little bits, little bits, little bits. And it just kept on going up and up and up. And, and I, wherever this goes, it goes, right? Sure. And I, you've I, done how many shows? What? Now? Uh, almost what? 53. Uh, so yeah, like 53, wow. I guess. It, yeah. Within a year. We, yeah. Yeah. I mean, February will be a freaking year, man. Thank you. Cares Thank you. I don't know why I'm clapping, but fucking do it. Exactly. You it's know? exactly it, it's man. Awesome. It's exactly it, man. I mean, and it's just the, the amazing people that I have had the ability to meet right. And in, in a short period of time, and it's just been so fucking cool. And, um, and then I, you know, just, you know, I turned this into a fucking studio and got three cameras set up and then I got, you know, producer and, an editor and all of this stuff. And it's just, and listen, man, I, you know, I have a full-time job, right. And I run a professional hairstyling tool company and that's amazing. Um, wherever this goes, it goes. I'm just enjoying every single moment. Yep. And I've got to meet some of the most amazing people that I never thought I'd ever have the chance to meet. And you're one of them. And Thank so you. it's just been, it's, it's been so be fucking here. cool. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I want to, I want to kind of bring it back to your story, right? It's, uh, if, for, for you, when did it come that time where you had to dial back uh, with the, mo- with, with, with the, you know, freestyle and all of that? 
of pretty much just going through a divorce, you know, Shit. me and my wife just, we're at a point where I don't think we trusted each other anymore. And sometimes yeah. that happens to people. And like today I told you, I was looking at a magazine of, um, of her and I, and our first kid, Michaela, it's a, it's a Japanese magazine. I posted a couple of pictures on, on my Instagram story, awesome. but Looking back at, at that, like, you know, I still to this day love my ex-wife. She's a beautiful, rad human being that, you know, she's just different. Like she, like each and every one of us should be different. We yes. shouldn't be posers. We shouldn't be trying to do anything that isn't out of our heart. And I really think she's uh, done everything she's up, up to now. Everything she's done is for her and out of her heart. And she's an artist and she didn't even know that she was an artist. Um, I th and I also say this sometimes to people that I ruined my marriage by buying her a guitar. Because we were in Hawaii. We were at a trip in Hawaii uh, for a freestyle event and we went to a music store. I ended up buying her her first guitar. And from that day on, she, all she did was play her guitar and learn music and wow. write songs. Then I bought her a piano and then she started learning the piano. So super musically inclined, wow. but never knew that her growing up and her family, she didn't have instruments. Wow. Then I ended up, um, letting her use my, art tools, my paintbrushes, my markers. And then when I would travel, I'd come home and she would actually have like this ridiculous, crazy painting and be like, here, I painted this for you. Oh my I was gosh. Like, I was like, wow, you're an artist. And yeah, so through and through. So she still, to this day, she plays her guitar, writes music. And, and, um, I think just like I said, when, when it was our time to part ways, um, she was doing her, I was doing me. And, it just, it's worked. You know, our kids are still what we live and strive for, both of us. Um, our older two are off doing their thing. They've learned from both mom and dad and seeing us go through our ups and downs. But um, I think when we had to go through our divorce and part ways, I ended up... And I remember, you know, when the divorce papers were signed, I was just kind of like, whoa. Yeah. You know, I didn't expect to get divorced right then and there at the time my kids were young. I think in the back of my head, I always knew it didn't work out. Like our our family life, as far as my parents didn't dig her, and uh, I didn't yeah. kind of dig her parents. And she came from a, a, a parted family, separated family. My parents are still together. And I think just there's certain aspects to our marriage that just didn't jive. And I always felt like, okay, well, when my kids are old enough, I'm going to probably end up moving on. Oh, and she'll do her thing. Well, I, it didn't work out that way. I came home from Europe one, one time. I was uh, on the Masters of Dirt tour over in Europe and came home. She's basically moved out of the house and doing her thing. And um, wow. I kind of wasn't... Uh, I was surprised about the whole thing happening and kind of tried to keep my marriage together for as long as I could. But then I just realized like, whoa, I can't continue to put the effort into my bike riding because it's just not working. I'm not on the same page to keep my sponsors happy, yeah. to be able to strive for my, my resume to tell my sponsors where I'm going to travel. Like I didn't want to travel anymore. I was just burned. I was yeah. like, man, my life has definitely gone in a different direction. 
I don't want to miss my kids anymore. You know, I'd be over in Europe for eight weeks and, and just be the whole time like, man, I want to go home. I want to be with my kids. And I would come home earlier than what I was expected to and then fly back and forth. And I don't know, it's just one of those things where I felt like the divorce was supposed to happen. Yeah. And so we worked through that. Um, and I committed myself to my tattooing and my artwork and then just kind of pushed the motorcycles aside. And luckily I could do that. And I have those two type of things, my art and my bike riding. So once I committed to my tattooing, I basically told her, Hey, I think you and your boyfriend are, you know, going to take care of the kids and I'm going to go do my thing. And I, I lived out of my Toyota Tundra for almost six, seven months traveling up and down the West coast from Southern California, <laughs> Northern California, where I tattooed at a buddy's shop in Lemoore, wow. uh, Northern California up um, the Redding area and into Oregon, Grants Pass. Um, and at the same time I was traveling and basically living off of my Facebook. Um, Cause I would say, Hey, I'm, I'm traveling up towards Oregon if there's anyone who wants to get tattooed, I'm going to be at this tattoo convention or I'm going to be coming through this city. Yeah. And so people would be like, hey, I'm near this tattoo shop. And then I would hit that tattoo shop and say, hey, this is Mike Metzger. I'm coming through your town. Can I work out of your shop for two days, five days, yeah. get everyone situated and tattooed? Then I'd be, boom, I'm out of here. I'm going to the next town. And yeah. I would pretty much shops through Oregon, shops up in Washington. Um, also had a lot of help through Solon Clothing. Yes. Which Jeremy Solon. and Ryan, yeah, Solon. Yeah. Um, Jeremy and Ryan really put in a lot of effort to help me out through the years of tattooing. Uh, Jeremy's the, the dude who kind of introduced me to the um, convention scene, yeah. which is completely different from just a tattoo shop life scene. You got the best artists in the world that are traveling around and doing amazing artwork on people's bodies. Um, and I, I ended up going to my first tattoo convention, and I'll remember it for the rest of my life, in Ventura. And it was, uh, I partied so hard the night before and kind of tried to talk myself out of it. And I talked to Jeremy the next day early, and he's like, where are you at? I'm like, oh, I think I'm going to... Uh, pass on this one he's like no you're not get, get your fucking ass up here so i got in my car and i drove out to ventura which was almost three hours from where i was Shit. living and i get into the tattoo convention and he introduces me to james strickland to rich panetta roman abrigo damn and these son. are all cats that that i looked up to through just looking at tattoo magazines and going like fuck these dudes are on a whole different <laughs> level gnarly and to say the least I was kind of nervous, uh, almost fanboying out. Where I'm that. like, I don't belong here. Well, then I sit down and I talk to Rich Panetta, and he's like, oh, my God, dude, I've looked up to you my whole life That's as far crazy. as watching you on the Krusty videos. And and I, I fucked myself up because I wanted to be like you and ride dirt <laughs> bikes. And I'm like, okay, well, that's crazy. Then I'm talking to James Strickland. And then James is saying the exact same thing. Dude, you don't know how many times I freaking wiped out on my motorcycle because I just wanted to be like yes. you watching Krusty's. And same thing with Roman. And Damn, like, son. So I've gotten to hang out with all those guys. I got to work with Roman at his shop in Ukaipa, which yep. is artistic element. Um I've gotten to hang out with all of the coolest dudes in the tattoo scene, not only 
uh, be inspired to do better artwork, but to party with these guys on, on a level yeah. that, that you just, you don't get to do things <laughs> no. like that. No. And it's, and it's being able to be close and just be like, well, these are just normal, cool people that put a lot of heart and soul into their passion yeah. doing the best they can. A hundred percent, man. I love that, man. I, I, I absolutely love that story because, you know, a lot of times we can get in our own head about shit, right? For sure. Dude, and imagine, I, I, I don't know, just the sound of that moment, that story right there, how pivotal it was for your, your, your tattoo career and everything that you're doing now, right? Definitely. And so um, it's... It's really freaking cool because, you know, me, I, I grew up, uh, you know, watching obviously you and, and all, my, all the skateboarding stuff, but also, you know, looking up to like Roman and all of his fucking amazing work and rock and soul and, and just seeing these tattoo artists do such insane things and the level just getting higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. And so, you know, for you breaking into that industry, being able after, you know, uh, you know, a, a rough breakup, right. You, for, for someone that you obviously truly cared about and just things happen. It's life. Um, and then to be able to kind of have this next chapter in your life, it's a beautiful thing. For sure. It, it, it really is. It's crazy is. to look back and just to be able to, to know that all this, all the people, really all the people that I've met who've been really important in my life have been each and every step of the way, part of that chapter, part of the next chapter and each of them have just like touched me in a different way to where like you don't really realize what's going on at the time. But when you stop later on and you look back and you go, whoa, I'm here right now because that person hooked me up with that person. I got a chance to do this. And then now with me being my age, my two older kids growing up um, and me being able to be inspired by Pretty much my kids, my youngest, saying he wanted a dirt bike. Um, and now I'm like full-blown 110% back on my motorcycle and being able to balance it with what my job is. I pay yeah. my bills 110% because of tattooing and doing the best job I can yes. because of the people that have really taught me. Like, like, hey, don't fucking go tattoo if you're not going to put – 110 percent into it just like my dad was like you know inspired me to do 110 yes. percent on my dirt bike or whatever i'm doing um because i don't think tattooing from the time i did start was something that i really enjoyed it was just like okay cool i'm not riding my motorcycle but i can still pay my bills and tattoo yeah. and do my art but now uh i really enjoy it like you know and and I stay pretty sober as far as yeah. um, I've been addicted, I'd say, to bong rips for many <laughs> years of my life, especially once I went through a divorce and I wasn't riding motorcycles anymore. Um, I loved weed from the time I was 18 and started smoking weed with my buddy Nick Ciotti, the yeah. rock climber. Um, I just always enjoyed what weed did to me and, and how it made me be able to focus more on my artwork. Yep. Well, just... Uh, within the last couple months, I'll be honest with you, the last time I smoked weed was uh, the last day of September. Damn. And then I woke up after I dodged a couple parties um, the last day of September. I woke up um, October 1st in Big Bear after being at a party down in Temecula where I grew up and went to high school. I woke up that morning going, dude, I did it. 
I didn't party as hard as I wanted to with yeah. the friends that I grew up with. I made it home safe. Um, and I woke up and I turned Joe Rogan's uh, deal sober on. October. And he said sober October. And I was like, this fucker's inspiring me right now. And I just felt like maybe the couple months leading up to that happening, I was trying to slow down and yeah. get off the weed and just feel like, man, I just want to change my path right now. Yeah. And so with Joe Rogan telling you know everyone that his friends are a bunch of dickheads yep. that can't get off of their drugs, uh, he inspired me for reals where I was like, dude, I can do this. I want to be like that guy. I want to be able to drink coffee and water and work out and sweat all day, every day. And so, so I've freaking, you know, had withdrawals for about three weeks to where I was like, dude, this sucks. And I yeah. get home at the end of the day and I had to take, talk myself out of not taking a little puff to sleep. Yeah. But I got through it, and I've done it before. I think yes. the last time I took a weed break was like two and a half years ago. Okay. And I took a break for like four months and jumped in my car and did a road trip back east. But then I came home and got hammered, and um, just one thing leads to another. So I've been sober off of smoking weed. That's good. And I'm not a drinker. Yeah. But I'm, you know, I like to have some drinks and, and mingle with people and I'm, you know, you're I'm, a social drinker. Yeah, social drinker. Yeah, I, I, I could say that, you know, there's been times where my social drinking has been more than social to where <laughs> I just, you know, I've got human. Yeah, I've gotten a DUI. And I think that for me, that was a learning lesson that yeah. I would never want to go through that again. And I would never want any of my friends or anyone that I could say something to that if you are going to drink, you're going to party, dude, get an Uber. Yeah. You know, like be it's smart so about true. it. Because, Come on you know, now. Yes. I've had friends, yeah, you know. Yes. Back in ours, for sure. You're talking to the mic. Too, in our early partying days, we didn't have the Uber. No, It's no. too easy to to be able to make it home or get somewhere without having to put yourself in that situation. Yeah. Not even in our town here in Santa Clarita, there is literally a phone number you can call and they will come pick you up. Yeah. And so I think that. That's Jeez, some, I not know that. Yeah, I think <laughs> as far as like words of wisdom to anyone that you know, kids want to party. Yeah. Um, people want to party. People want to be social and and do that part of their life. Be safe. Be smart. And freaking get have somebody that's sober get you home exactly. because it's way too easy. Yeah, it's way too easy. It's yeah. way too easy. And it's so funny hearing you say, I want to bring it back just a little bit, uh, you know, talking about Rogan, right? Mm -hmm. um, how he inspired you. I, I, I talk about this quite frequently on the podcast and off the podcast, how Rogan has helped inspire change my entire fucking life, man. That's you awesome. Know, you know, from working out and taking care of my body, you know, and just uh, just really opening my brain and, 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 you know, seeing both sides of the argument, you know, um, and, and, and not just be so stuck to my ideas because my ideas can always fucking change my beliefs can always change for sure be open-minded right sure. and it was another one of the reasons why i started the podcast and it's why i have a huge slew of people you know um and it, it not only was it because of things of my past right but it was also because i was just inspired by everything that this man is doing i've never been inspired by uh you know an actor a comedian or anything like that right it's like it just wasn't me but someone like him you can look up to and and so hearing you say it it just it's 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 fucking cool man he changed 
changed my life. Exactly. I'm you, he really it's so crazy, right? It's so <laughs> fucking crazy. Uh, he can have an impact on so many different lives. Yes. Yeah. That's why he is who he is. That's why he is who he is. And that's, uh, it's just, it's beautiful, man. It, it really is. Um, and then getting to the point of like, you know, fucking smoking weed, dude, has always been a big part of my life. But as I've gotten older, I have um, realized that uh, getting stoned all the time, it makes me slow. It makes me lazy, right? Me, I fuck my cousin can get stoned all day and no problem. He's like a beast, right? And then there's other people I know that smoke weed and they're just, they they think they're fine, but they're really not, right? But I had cut back on smoking weed because I used to smoke like an ounce a week, right? And um, and then I cut back. But recently, I have introduced, um, it's an amazing company. It's called Secret Nature. They make high-end indoor CBD flowers. So it's like 22, 23% CBD, and it's like 0.3% THC. So it's low enough to where you can go online, type in Secret Nature CBD, and you can buy it in all 50 states, right? But they grow it at the quality of like your top shelf, you know, master kush and you know all, all the top shelf flavors right but uh it's it's very high in cbd low so you can still smoke the weed right um and i can function i'll get a little head change but like i'm on top of my shit and that shit's gone within 15 20 minutes but i just enjoy the the i guess the art of like rolling a blunt and i fucking enjoyed smoking. the art of taking a big yeah bounce, like, you know, from the time i woke up to the time i went to bed but i was on a good routine yeah i wasn't trying to be an athlete exactly you know what i'm saying like Waking up and making sure that I have my kids' program set, especially like through the uh, distance learning where kids have to be on the computer now. Yeah. I'd get up early, make breakfast, take a snap, uh, get my kid out of bed, get him behind the computer, go back in the garage, take another snap, come in, set up my tattoo studio, which yeah. is at my house, private I love studio. That. I love that. And it would just motivate me to like be in that mind frame, like, okay. I'm waiting for my client. I'm going to check out some artwork, draw a little bit. Okay, my client's here. Okay, I can handle this. Yeah. And then just be You're like- high functioning. Yeah, though. and then be in that, that routine of, okay, I'm tattooing for the next two hours, four hours, six hours. Um, I definitely will admit that, you know, during those tattoo hours- I did take a lot of breaks to take snaps. That's fine. <laughs> now, now I don't. Now <laughs> I don't. I, I, it's kind of crazy because now, like, uh, my tattoo work goes really quick. Does it? Uh, I'll do. <laughs> you like almost plan that out. Be like, okay, I have like a six-hour tattoo set for sure. So I'm gonna take the snap before. We're gonna take a two-hour <laughs> break, two break. Snap, right? So, yeah, yeah. No, it was like routine. Like, okay, I'm in this tat about an hour and a half, two hours. Okay, hey, well, I'm gonna go take a break on the back porch. And most of the time, my clients are yeah, gonna smoke weed with yeah. me, and I would. We and then chill out and talk, and and then get back into it. But now, I'm just, I just boom, and I get it done. So sometimes, like, I, I'm working on a tattoo, and I'm getting towards the end of it, and I'm like whoa, it's almost done already. You know, and I'm like surprised. Do you but feel that you're in like a better mind frame? For sure. That you didn't do that. So for sure. You're, you're that. Well, if I was stoned, like I would have told you that my thing. artwork was way better when I was stoned. Of course. But now that I'm sober and I've gotten through that whole part of like, I don't need that. It doesn't do me any good yeah. while I'm doing my art, my work. Um, 
it's better. I mean, like straight an up. Adverse effect effect on you, but now that you see that you don't have to have that scheduled, your full mind frame the whole time on. Yeah, yeah I'm on point. No, I'm okay, on point okay. the whole time. That's I it. Have Thirty minutes left. Oh, then it's gonna be my break. Now I can focus that I'm about to take a bong rip because in thirty minutes that's my scheduled time for sure. Now your whole mind frame. Yeah, is just so and fun. I'm and I'm saturated with what I'm doing. You know, 110% of my focus is going in to what I'm doing on that tattoo without even any second nature as far as I'm not hesitant on what the next line is or where I'm going to shade. It just comes out. And it to me, it's so much better than being stoned. And I think for me, too, also being stoned, I had a really bad attitude. Ah. Yeah, I did. My attitude was not like it is when I'm crispy and no way yeah for sure why why do you think that is Uh, to be honest i think it's because i love riding i love bikes i love being an athlete and so i think i was just when i'm in that mind frame of being stoned that attitude as far as not being able to go and do the things that i want to do yeah. Like um, even going to the skate park and riding scooters with my kid or riding my skateboard with my other kid or now wanting to get on my dirt bike and yes. go rip laps or ride with Colby Raha, who's my, yeah. my roommate at, at our warehouse. Um, it's just so much easier to kind of push what I want to do aside because I'm in the moment and trying to do the best artwork I can for that person who's paying me to be the best I can. Yes, yes, yes. And that's yes. really, I think, the, the main motivation is that these people are actually paying me top dollar yeah. to do the best I can. And when it's all said and done, there's nothing like the feeling of that person like being in awe and going, I can't believe this is just the best tattoo ever. This is my favorite tattoo. And it just makes you feel good when you do good things for people. A hundred percent, man. I, I, I really, um, I think that's important, right? You know, to appreciate your work, having people appreciate your work and being honest, like, hell yeah, man, that makes me feel good. It's like, why do I do this in the first place? Yeah, the money, right, is important. But at the same time, it's that it's that feeling once it's yeah. done. Done. Yeah, and also that feeling of that the money isn't is not important. Yes, yes. it's you know? number two. And I think when when you're in that mind frame of just being saturated with okay, I want another bong rip. I want to, you know, be high. Um, you think about you think about things that you really shouldn't be thinking about, of like how much money I'm going to make today. Yep, yep. And now I make more money than I ever have tattooing, and I don't have to think about it. Exactly. It's just like. When my tattoo client gets there at 10.30, let's sit down. Let's talk about what you want. I'm going to pound out the artwork on my iPad, and we're going to get to town. And and when I'm done, whether it's a two-hour tattoo or an eight-hour tattoo, it's going to look fucking badass because I put my whole mind, soul, and heart into making it look as good as it can. Absolutely. How long have you been tattooing now? Uh, since I was 18, full on. Holy shit. Yeah, and I've had some breaks, but I'd say um, it was really cool, too, because when I raced the motocross nationals when I was younger, I actually took my tattoo equipment on the road, and mm. I would make extra money tattooing at people's houses, tattooing at hotels to pay for my next race. No way, yeah, so dude. Tattooing's been a big part of my life for a long time, but I would say the last eight years, 
is when I told you, like told you the story about the yeah. Solon guys, yeah. Ryan and Jeremy really getting me like in tune and really like putting me in that situation where I'm dealing with the best dudes in the world and you can't not appreciate who these people are and how they got there. Absolutely. So then it made me really like go, whoa, I don't even, I don't want a tattoo if I'm not going to be putting in the best of my best. Yes, 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 yes. So, And that's dialed all the way back to your pops man you know it's just it's it's so funny how these things happen man and i am definitely sure that your kids will say the same thing about it you know 30 fucking years from now 40 years from now when they're on a podcast because they did you know (laughs) something as amazing as you um you know as we start to dial down right what is the next chapter for you like what does you know man you're 45 right what 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 do the, the the first 45 years right look like this right obviously the past eight years you've really been going hard yeah. with tattooing but like what 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 do you see the, the next part of mike metzger's um well it's so hard to to picture anything right now as far as this whole sickness that yeah. the world is feeling um with so much just being shut down and let's just start with young kids can't go and play ball sports that's a family Dude. deal for families to take their kids to soccer to baseball yes um i never really did team sports even though at times i wanted to and my dad took me to to soccer when i was younger i think the first game i played the ball smashed me in the nose and <laughs> the bleeding and then after the game, my dad was like, sure, you want to do that? I'm like, no, let's go race motocross. Um, I tried playing football um, through Linfield, Linfield Christian School that I went to, and I, I enjoyed football for a little bit, but I broke my arm. Okay, Jeez. I'm healed up. Let's go race motocross. Um, so team sports don't really exist anymore right now in this time. No. If they ever do again, I'm sure. which we hope. I'm sure, right? But – it's just weird, man. It's just I so weird. I, I feel like we're going through this great reset of life. Yeah, I and know. Things change. I don't know. Yeah. But you just, the way my heart feels at times, of I'm course. like, it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to go back to what it used to be. For sure. Well, my sports is X Games yeah. or Nitro Circus. Yeah. And when I say Nitro Circus, I've never done one, but I would like to do the quarter pipe. Yeah, I hang out with Kobe Raha all the time. He is the gold medalist for Real Moto for X Games. He's the gold medalist for Quarter Pipe for X Games and Nitro Circus. And I was one of the first dudes. Me and Ronnie Renner were the first dudes that got to go out and hit a quarter pipe uh, years ago. I can't exactly. I think it was right around 2007, 2008, because I was riding for Monster. It's like when I first started riding for him. And then shortly after that, I, that's when it kind of ended because my going through divorce and everything. Yeah. Well, then once I put my bike aside and I'm still watching what's going on with the sport, um, that's when Ronnie, Ronnie Renner did the uh, Red Bull quarter pipe event and like set a world record for himself. Yeah. And then shortly after that, then X Games started doing the quarter pipe event at their X Games event. And that's like when Raha started winning and, a um, couple other kids that are just super badass at doing that. Well, I still want to do that. Yes, and I don't yeah. Care. I don't care how old I am. Nah. It's just a number. 
Um, and the cool thing is I feel young every day. I go yeah. to my office. I set up to tattoo. Who's who's the guy who's rolling into my shop? It's Colby Raha. He's, yeah. he's 26 years old. And, and to me, I don't, I mean, even saying that, it cracks me up <laughs> because the dude has such a good head on his shoulders and he does not seem that young. That's so dope, man. You know? That's so dope. Yeah. So for me, the next chapter is really just continuing to ride as much as I can. Yeah. Um, continuing to tattoo and do the best tattoos I can for the people, my clients that want me to do that art and, um, and continue to, to talk to my kids every day and, and to continue to just be the best dad I can to be there for my kids, um, to trust the people around me. Um, if, if there's people coming into my life that I feel are shady, then I'm smart enough now to make sure that they don't hang out very long. Fuck yeah. Um, to continue to grow closer to my parents uh, because my parents know better. They've taught me a lot of cool shit in my life, and I continue to look up to both of them as humans that do good shit for themselves um, over the years. You know, well, I, I grew up thinking my mom and dad should be divorced. They were crazy. They were always pissed. But I think it was more because when you have kids, it's hard to be on the same level and yeah. do the things you want for your kids and be on the same page with your spouse. So when my sisters, because it's me and my two younger sisters, I think once we all got out of the house, my mom and dad became best friends. Again, right. You know, yeah. my dad was never into street bikes or yep. Harleys. Next thing I know, my dad's got a collection of like seven, eight <laughs> Harleys and Indian <laughs> bikes and going on rides with my mom. No way. Know? And my mom used to ride motorcycles, motocross when I was a kid. Up, so dude. At a time, great. <laughs> at a time where I think, you know, she always probably missed riding bikes, but my dad was like, oh, we're getting rid of your bikes because you don't need to get hurt. And he didn't need to get hurt. So it was just like me. And I think also, too, um, my sisters, you know, being close to my sisters is important because I think they were, you know, a bit jealous of me and my dad's relationship. And then now my dad is a lot closer to my sisters. And plus, like, I don't know, it's just important. I think family is super cool and important. So, like, when I get a chance to talk to Megan or Michelle and, and just see and be a part of their life and my nephew and nieces, it's just it just makes me happy knowing that they're in a good place all the kids in the family are in a good place, and yeah. and it's just I don't know. It's different than when I grew up, and it's like ah, fuck my sisters, oh, my, <laughs> my parents are assholes. But you know, I got my own kids now, and I hope to see them continue to grow and find someone that they love and have kids with, and and yeah. um, it's just part of life. Whether my kids want kids or not, that's cool, but I just want to see everyone doing good and doing better each and every day for themselves because that's how I feel. I feel like every day I wake up, I have a smile on my face. I'm at a point where I don't need to complain about anything because I'm mm. like, it doesn't do any good. I can like have that mind frame of like, oh, life sucks, <laughs> but nobody gives a shit. It's so saying? true. It's so it's, true. It's only up to you to have yeah. the best attitude you can. And like for me, I wake up every day just to strive to keep that smile on my face. And usually it's like, man, I want to go talk to my parents. I want to go have coffee with my dad, make sure he's cool. Everything's good. Go to the gym, do some sweating, feel good. And then... 
Yeah, going tattoo. Like, you know, I actually like tattooing now to where I can, like, get to my office early, set up early, and kind of work on my bikes or work on some artwork prior to my client getting there. And I have a routine, too, when my my clients get there. If they bring somebody with them, Uh which usually a lot, I'd say 50-50. Yeah. They'll either come by themselves or they'll bring one or two people. Well, if they bring somebody, I try not to be a dick about it, but I do tell them like, hey, uh, can you give us some time? Like usually I don't let people come into my office because it's about the same size as your office. And so I kind of have to turn them out and say like, hey, you're going to have to leave. (laughs) No way. And then they kind of trip out for a bit until they were like, okay. And then – They'll leave, they'll go do whatever, and then I'll talk to my client about what their art is that they Makes want sense. to put on. And then after I'm over that that point of getting the artwork dialed in and I know I'm going to put the stencil on or I'm done drawing my freehand yeah. work and I'm ready to tattoo, then it's just like, okay, I'm good. The hard yeah. work is over. Yeah. If you want to bring your friend back, have them bring you food and they could chill out, cool. But I'm in my own world now. I'm done doing the hard work and I, the tattoo process just comes out easy, Yeah, you know, and they they could talk to me and, and I don't have to wear headphones to zone anyone out because the tattoo part is actually the easier part. Yeah, It's the design work and what my client can, can get out of me to do what they're picturing. Yeah. Because I, you know, sometimes clients will be like, Hey, I just, I want you to do whatever you want. Well, I, I'm not into yeah, that. I yeah, don't do yeah. It's on you for the rest of your like, life, bro. I'm like, I don't want a tattoo today. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I want you to motivate me to yes. tattoo yes. something that yes. you want. Yes. I and love it, that. And it makes I love it that. easier. I love that. I don't know how tattoo artists, anyone just can do anything they want on somebody yeah. without that person, like, giving them some initiative of, like, I like this. I like this. Yeah. But there is some people that show up and they're like, do whatever you want. Yeah, that's and so then there's artists who are like, okay. All right. You yeah. Know? No, that's weird, man. <laughs> that's weird. I like to be very descriptive and say what I want. And and and, and, and it makes sense. Like it's like not like you're kicking them out the the, the the person out forever. It's just like this part of it is just so fucking important that for it sure. has to be dialed in because it's on this person for the rest of their fucking for life. Sure. And I, unfortunately a lot of people have shitty tattoos that they don't like and it's just the name of the game so when you go to someone that is as skilled as yourself um that part makes sense right and For so sure. um because at first when you were explaining it i was like that kind of sounds like a dick move yeah. but then when you got to the end of it i was like oh that makes a lot yeah. of sense it's just dude. the process it and is for me the process works so i have to believe in that process yes. whether and sometimes I'm sure I come across like a complete dick to those people I'm going to tattoo and their friends that came to yeah. hang out with them. But that's not what's important. Yeah. You no, know, no, no, me no, being no. a dick isn't the, the bad or good part. It's about business. Of course. And the tattooing, if they're going to give me money at the end of me doing the best tattoo, then they need to learn that that process is, okay, it's you and me. Yeah. Your friends have to leave. Yeah. And we're going to get through this yes. together. Yes. And if if it means you want your friends here after the initiative of getting the artwork set up, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. And they can talk and we can bullshit Whatever. while I'm tattooing. But this is so this fucking This is important. how it goes. Yes, absolutely. No, yeah. no, no, 100%. But I, I, 
you would, I think you would rather just have it be just you and the person. For sure. Career, right? Yeah. I mean, the easiest type of client is the person who shows up, tells me exactly what they want. I get the initial artwork put on them and then they just are quiet the whole time. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's actually weird to me that, that, um, there is a handful of people every once in a while that are those type of clients that don't want to talk. Yeah. You know, the people who want to talk to me while I'm tattooing it, I kind of, I kind of expect it because a lot of my, a lot of my uh, clients are fans of yeah. Mike Metzger from motocross and what they've seen on TV. And then uh, they just want my artwork and they're, you know, not only fans of my writing, but the fan, a fan of my art, and so they want to talk to me the whole time. And of course, it's cool. You know, yeah. I've had that time in my life where um, it was so hard to tattoo fans. Yeah. You know, because they wanted to be there to talk about motocross or life of where I've been. But now it's, it's a lot easier, probably because I'm not stoned. Yes. <laughs> but you know, I, I totally understand because when I was cutting hair, man. Um, I think I more so wanted to talk to the person than cut the hair. Like, if that makes sense. I guess right that's why you have a podcast. <laughs> you know, Sam, because you're good at conversation. And, and Thank you. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm a psychiatrist to people. Yeah, that's exactly. I didn't sign up to be a psychiatrist. <laughs> but I am a good person. I have a yeah. lot of good stories to share. So that's why, to me, being a tattoo artist that doesn't wear headphones and zone that person out, you know, I, I do, get that. I do get paid hourly. Yeah. And, and my clients realize and respect that. So, yeah, but if they were smart, they would just said, say, do your fucking work because it'd be faster and cost less. Yeah, true. <laughs> it would, but I, it seems like, but all no, my but they come for you. Wonderful people. Yeah. They, they come for you. And that's awesome that you say that, man. They, they come for you. They come for the, the experience. And that's like, even what you said, not, it, not even like about me, just like hairdressers and tattoo artists and, and just in general, it's, it's yes, their work, but it's the experience that they for create sure. for the people. And, um, and definitely someone like yourself, you know, everything you did before, you know, tattooing and then now tattooing i could see why so many people would just come dude your 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 tattoos are fucking awesome but at the same time they are coming because of of not not all of them i'm just saying because what you said earlier is like they came because they grew up watching you right and now they see this bomb ass tattoo artist they want to come and experience both of that put together right yeah it's a good package and and some of the the stories that they hear because of the conversation and where it leads yes it blows their minds away yeah and and then it reminds me of like wow that happened to me. Dude. That is just insane. I've been all around the world because Dude. of riding bikes. And and um, I hope to continue to be able to travel and get back on the road again one day. Yeah. You know, definitely getting the hotel for me last night in down the road in Newhall. Yeah. Um, it was a beautiful hotel, and it really made me miss, like, that whole life of traveling and living out of a backpack in the hotels dude, around the world. Dude, dude, dude. So, it's so funny that you say that because um, for, my line of, for my line of business, especially when I was on the creative side, uh, I'd travel all over, dude. I mean, this guy knows. I'd be on an airplane fucking 60, 70 days out of the year, right? Um, traveling to this place, that place. And I just got so fucking burnt out, right? Uh, you know, going to this salon, this event, this hair show, whatever. And um, I, I just got so burnt out that I just wasn't looking forward to the next one. Then the pandemic hits right and like all the big events get shut down everything gets shut down right 
And I'm like, fuck, man, I can't wait for the next one, you know? Sure. Makes, it made me appreciate it so much more. So when you sent that text earlier, I was like, ah, oh, man, I, I totally understand. I can relate to that feeling. Um, but yeah, man, I, I do think uh, right now, kind of just talking about the pandemic and we'll, we're at this up, it's like, dude, it, being a dad and having kids and, and, you know, not having them go to school and experience that. And, uh, like, dude, my, my younger brother, right. It's actually my wife's younger brother, but we've been together for so long that we, you know, I, her brothers and sisters are my brothers and sisters. Sure. Um, Tyler was just such an amazing dude. And he was just a badass uh, baseball player, varsity pitcher for Valencia High School. Um, uh, was about to graduate, right? And he just, dude, high school, especially if you enjoyed high school and had a good time, right? Um, it's such an iconic moment in your life, right? Uh, and all of it taken away at the last minute, man, at the last fucking minute. And I just, you know, I couldn't even imagine like what he's going through not even now, but when he gets older and looks back. Right. And it's like, you know, I never graduated high school, but high school for me was fucking awesome, man. I, I, my, my, my pops was still alive. Um, I was partying. I was, you know, doing what I wanted to do, skateboarding, fucking punk rock, uh, met my wife who's was my girlfriend and best friend back then. Just like so many amazing fucking things. Um, and I guess it was taken away from me when my dad passed away. Uh, but still, I look at that time as being so amazing. Uh, on, on the flip side, my, my, my younger bro, it was taken away from him and not because of some, you know, you know, his dad dying, but because of COVID-19 and, you know, everything that has happened. It's just so fucking weird. And it sucks, man. And my heart goes out to, you know, your kids and all the kids out there that are going through it, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's everybody. Everyone, everyone, everyone. Abs- absolutely. Everyone. It's not just, uh, you know, America. You know, although it's uh, pretty crazy out here, but I don't know what the fucking answer is. I'm not, you know, a politician. Yeah. I, I just... Uh, we don't have to go down that path. I, I could share my ideas, but we'll, right. that's another chapter, maybe <laughs> off the conversation. All right. That being said, ma'am, Ed, literally as we wrap this up, bro, um, is there anything that you want to say? Because I'll let you get the last word, but then I'll actually say the last word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I just think that uh, the best piece of advice that I could give people is to do your best each and every yeah. day. Wake up and... If you're going through hard times, um, figure out why why those times are happening to you. Because I feel like anybody can change their path at any time. Um, it starts with being healthy. It starts yeah. with waking up early, and and just kind of pushing yourself. You know, I felt like I've can say I've done enough drugs for me and everyone that I know. Um, but did that make me a drug addict? Did it make me a bad person? No, you just move on. Yeah. You know, and and you leave the past in the past and you make your future and tomorrow better. Yeah. You know, as long as you're alive, you can make the right decisions. And um and that's it. That's what it's all about. Making good decisions every day and starting by getting out of bed and uh believing in the process where you want to be. Yeah. Because if you can believe that you can be that better person at the end of the day or at the end of the week or however long you're working on that path to get where you want. 
It's up to you. It's not up to anyone else. No one else is fucking up your life. It's you and only you can make your life where you want it to be. You can make it horrible. You can make this place a living hell or you can wake up and make it heaven every day and, and, and smile, you know, and be good to the people around you. And if people are being dicks then just walk away, Yeah, you know, it's that easy. You don't have to fight with anyone. Yeah, You know, I've, been there where you know you you're hanging out with people who are being negative and those people are going to wear out wear off on you and you're going to be negative about it but you don't have to be around those people you you can be happy every day whether you need people in your life or not find the right people if you don't need people in your life and you it's just you it's probably a lot easier yeah. And having to have those people around you and, and needing a piece of you. Sorry. Sorry. Or, um, yeah, you know, life is what you make it. And, and each and every day it starts with getting up early. I heard, you know, a motivational speech deal where it's like a military guy and he's like reminding you, like, it starts by getting out of bed and just simply cleaning up your shit, making sure you fold your bed. And and if yep. you can get up and start your day by saying, dude, I just made this a better place, by the end of the day, it's going to be a lot better place for people. And I kind of live by that each and every day, especially after just, you know, going through the most important things in my life, like having my two older kids move out and move on to do them. Yeah. And I feel like I put 110% effort into my children and, and just making sure that I believed that when they were old enough to say, Dad, I'm out of here, that I could be like, okay, they're, they're smart enough to be doing the right thing, and, and uh, I'm here. If they need help, I'm here. I love that. You know? Absolutely. So, oh, man. I, dude. So what are you going to end it with? <laughs> <laughs> same trap and say it every single time. Nah, bro. That's it, dude. All of you, everything that you just said makes so much sense, right? It's just like, leave this place a better place, right? Make your fucking bed. It's the small little steps that we do in life um, that can change the outcome, you know, at the end of the day or in the week, like you said. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the seed that we pass along, your kids, they grow up, you take care of them, you do all this stuff, and then eventually they grow up and they move out. But it's what you instill in them just like everything that your father instilled in you and 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 everything you are instilling in your kids right um they they're gonna have a lot better chance of succeeding in life uh compared to you know the kid with a fucked up dad or no dad right and that and that matters too where you come from as far as your parents i know that i wanted kids at a young age i think at 16 i started dating and banging and and i always in the back of my head was like okay if I was to get this girl pregnant, is this girl someone I can handle and and be happy with uh, having kids? And I think for me, my motivation wasn't about falling in love. It was about finding a girl that would make me beautiful kids. Ah, if, I love that. No, no, that's no. right or wrong, no. I don't care. No, I have honest. three beautiful kids. I am honest. Um, and I, th- I think people appreciate honesty in they people. Do than people that are just going to sit there and bullshit you for yep. the rest of their life. And I don't want yep. people that bullshit me or other people around me. No. It's not cool. Not so at all. You not can make... Life. It's not 
No. Yeah, don't sugarcoat anyone's fucking shit, especially your own. You know, yeah. if you need to hand somebody a pile of shit, make sure it's raw with nuts and everything. Boom, bitch. All right, all right. All right. <laughs> hey, man, seriously, I uh, I appreciate you from the bottom of my goddamn heart Thank for coming you, on the show, uh, sharing your story. I mean, man, it's just been... It's been fucking cool, and um, I'm sure this won't be the last time. And um, yeah, I, I just I, I can't wait for for everything that your future has. Fuck my future too. Like, just keep on doing what you're doing. Push ahead, never fucking stop. And you know, at the end of the day, right? Just fucking do it. For Amen. Sure. Have a wonderful Amen. day. Hey, 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 and everyone listening, we thank you so very much. Have a good night, people. Thank you so much for listening to Back to Your Story. Peace out. Wowzers, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I want to thank everyone from the bottom of my heart, and I want to thank Mr. Mike Metzger for coming on to share his story. Uh, please do not forget to like and subscribe to the show. Um, it really helps us out in a huge way, huge way. Um, and uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, what else do I got to say, guys? What else do I got to say? Don't forget to uh, check out our YouTube channel. We are filming every single podcast uh, that we possibly can. And, you know, as we get toward the end of the year, I just really appreciate everyone listening, everyone tuning in. It means the world to me. I hope everyone stands safe, stay strong. Uh, We are going to be taking two weeks off at the end of the year taking a little holiday time with the fam the wife and i are going to do a little road trip with the doggies for a week up the coast of california eh? other than that be good people have a good night Malvo.